Truck Show Podcast, live from the SEMA Show in Las Vegas. Presented by Nissan, with support from DuraLastParts.com. This week's episodes are powered by Banks. It's Lightning and Holman Truck Show Podcast live, well, kind of live, from the SEMA Show 2021 Las Vegas Convention Center. Our booth, our broadcast is powered by Banks. Holman, you look like you're about to die. Yeah, it's uh, last night I was, I treated my guys to some beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to do a thing. How many beers? Well, here's the deal. The answer is all of them. I used <laughs> to have a thing, uh, carried on tradition, called mandatory cocktails at SEMA, where I would put it on the calendar, the staff calendar, mandatory cocktails. And we'd all take a group photo together, and we'd all drink. And my boss before me, who was in this role, used to pay for everybody, right? And so I told my guys, hey, let's, let's do that. And I forgot. It was Wednesday. And they said, hey, we're ready for our beers. And I went, oh. So anyway, went down, had a few rounds. KJ Jones brought me a cigar like a... Uh, like Hotel a, Lounge, is that where you were? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then our friend Dale Thomas from Ready Lift came. Oh, I love Dale. And uh, he said, hey, have a shot of Tito's with me. And I said, no, oh, that's no. a bad idea. And he uh-huh. goes, no, no, you got to. I already bought it. And he handed it to me. And well, No one passes up Tito's. I mean, it's no Voilo, but it ain't bad. Right. And uh, so anyway, I did that. And, and I went to bed at a reasonable hour, but um, I'm feeling it today. Yeah, yeah. We've Cigar, got, uh, tequila, and beer. Dude, here, here's the thing. Um, I've got a long day ahead of us. Uh, I'm, I've got bop over for a little while to do the truck stuff. Then I'll be back, and we'll do a bunch of interviews. Um, we have the, the lineup of interviews today Solid. Is, is all-star. So we're going to talk suspension with John Hotchkiss. Uh, we're going to talk batteries. Uh, we're going to talk Edelbrock with David Page. Like, dude, we, we got a lot oh of people. God, a lot yes. of stuff going on today. But first, we have to thank Nissan because uh, Nissan is our presenting sponsor. So if you're in the market for a brand new truck, check out the brand new Frontier. By the way, I checked it out again because I like their uh, their Nismo booth so much. This is I, in the West Hall? In the West Hall. I went okay. and hung out there. Uh, but if you're looking for a new midsize truck, Nissan Frontier is where it's at. And, of course, if you're looking for a full-size truck, half-ton truck, Nissan Titan, Nissan Titan XD, the industry's best warranty, five-year, 100,000 miles. Head over to NissanUSA.com or your local dealer. And if you've got a beat-down truck that you just, you're just you not willing to get rid of yet and it needs parts, you go to DuraLastParts.com because they've got over a million fitments. I'm making that number up because it's an absurd... But it, seems, it probably is. It probably is because <laughs> I've never found... It's like a bottomless catalog of parts. everything that you need. And it's a, a, lot, a lot of their tools, for example, have lifetime warranty. And most of their parts have uh, OE or better quality and are built by the same people that build the OE parts, <laughs> the same suppliers. So DuraLastParts.com, you can figure out uh, just exactly what level of product you need because they have it for everything. Value all the way up to premium. I think half of your uh, odd Ford is running on Duralast Parts yeah, right now. It is right now, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and again, thank you to Banks Power for making this. It's weird for me saying that because I work there, but thank you to Gail Banks for making this uh, week's worth of shows possible because he basically donated the boot space to us and uh, gave us a great interview last night and uh, generally just stoked on Banks. So if you need performance for your truck, hit up BanksPower.com. All right, let's start the show. Do it! The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck rides with The Truck Show. We have the lifted. We have the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. It's the Truck Show with your hosts, 
Lightning, and Holman. Holman, we are joined by a very uh, dapper-dressed gentleman. He said uh, that we were both beautiful people. And then we knew he was a liar. Yeah, he is a liar. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, liar David Page, who is the uh, force induction uh, manager over at, I guess, Edelbrock and a hundred other companies now? Yes, the Edelbrock Group, uh, now merged with the Comp Performance Group, is the Edelbrock Group. So you guys may remember David coming on the podcast in the past, and of course, uh, we're at SEMA, so we have to talk to our friends. And uh, what new products are you guys pushing at SEMA this year? Because I heard there was maybe some GM stuff that had some pretty good power mm-hmm. gains. There's a little bit. We're kind of covering all the brands. Um, so we've got a new GM truck supercharger for the 2019 through 2021 GM trucks with 5.3 or 6.2 engines. Okay. Uh, so we're pretty excited about that. Well, that's weird that you would choose that because there's so few of those on the road. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who's going to buy one. You know, the right? LS is never going to catch on. Nope, never. <laughs> never. I even Did you see the uh, the LS in, uh, in Rich Benoit's uh, uh, Tesla? Te- Tesla, yeah. Oh, no, I didn't see that. you got to go by and see that. Yeah, he's over in the uh, Vibrant booth. and He's got his uh, very famous, now famous, uh, LS-swapped Tesla. Which was very hard to do because, uh, you know, no floor pan, no tunnel, no transmission. You know, all, they had to change all that stuff. It's like building a custom car, or like right? building a custom yeah, it was. car. Which is pretty yeah. rad, though. Yeah. And he's got a sequential shifter. It's pretty rad. <laughs> I love it. That's got to be a blast to drive. So uh, why the GM platform again? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, there's tons of them out there. The LT engine is just proven to be very it's bulletproof. Uh, yeah, it's very bulletproof. robust. Like you yeah. can you yeah. can lean on it. And in in my industry, that's important, right? You, very there are few few limitations on how much power we can generate, but how much can the engine sustain and right. still be reliable? Well, I think GM is famous now for especially like on the Duramax L5P. So they they sell it with like 400 horsepower, but we've already pushed it at banks over a thousand. So there's they're building in headroom because. Again, they use the same engines on the diesel side for medium-duty trucks, et cetera. They want to get a, more, a million miles out of these sure. things, right? And I think it's probably the same, correct me if I'm wrong, for the LS side, where the engine's capable of so much more than oh, the yeah. consumer is using. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a great platform, uh, and, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for opportunities where, uh, like the Jeep we talked about. Yeah. The Jeep's a great platform. Uh, it's very, it lends itself very well to accessorizing, to lifting tires. Depending on what the person's going to do with it, daily driver, you know, um, off-roading, there's several ways that a person might choose to use it, and all of those will benefit from some more horsepower. And in, uh, in the definitely. Case of, in the case of the Jeep, I mean, we can add 100 horsepower reliably, still stay carb legal, we still carry a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty, but 100 horsepower. I've got 9,000 miles, 7,000 miles, something like that, yeah. and it's been no everywhere. Issues been all over the all over the uh, southwest it's been so tell me about some of the places you've been and some of the things you've done with it since adding the supercharger uh let's see so it did overland adventure which was uh something like 400 miles of utah backcountry nice. uh i've done part of oh went to moab for your uh for easter safari where in second year you can hear the blower go whoop up those fins which is pretty cool right. uh i've driven in 100 degree heat i've driven in 40 degrees and I'll tell you that the um, you were keeping an eye on the EGTs and the in the intake. Yeah, because I got a uh, I got yep. a Banks I dash on there, and zero issues with temperature. Typically, the intercooler shows like a 75 degree drop somewhere in there, give or take on either nice. side, uh, from you know ambient air into uh, the manifold. One of the cool things is, when I used to ride motorcycles, I was the weird guy that liked Harleys and Buells. 
right? And the thing I liked about my Buell, you weren't, you weren't, you didn't used to be the weird guy. Okay, so you still are true. the weird guy. <laughs> but what I loved about it is I had the, you know, that V twin had the power band of a truck. So I would used to go do what we call riding the pace, and I'd be up in the mountains, and I wouldn't shift ever. I would just engine brake. I would rev it out, and I'd let the engine brake. Rev it out, because it was so torquey. You could just leave it in second it's or third. Kind of, it's more relaxing that way, too. So going up to Big Bear recently for uh, for an event, um, it was nice because I didn't have to shift. I left the truck in either second or third, just like my old motorcycle, and drove up to Big Bear, and just Although I have to tell you, the blower's a little on the quiet side for me. I was, I, I, it's almost, and with the, the snorkel on it, it's super quiet. I'm like, I wanted to hear that. And there's certain times I can crack the passenger window where the snorkel is and I can get on it and go, I'm like, okay, good. It's there. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, drivability has been great. We did a, a could sec- you have made that, could, could you guys have made it louder? I mean, I know you're going for low NVH and all that stuff, but well, believe it or not, that's actually, uh, that's the rotor pack. That's a topic that we talk about some yeah. because there's definitely a certain segment of our market that they they want there to be no doubt. Yeah, I'd love to know that there's a little more blower noise in there. Yeah, but sure. in terms of uh, drivability is great. We uh, had an updated tune. There's a little bit initially of surging that we talked about, I think in, in second and mostly in third gear. Almost all that's uh, is gone now. Just I've driven daily driver. I've gone on long trips. I've gone to Arizona. I've gone off road. I've gone to Utah. I've gone to Vegas, Nevada, all over the California desert. And again, no check engine lights. Uh, temps have all stayed where they need to be. Nothing scary. Runs on premium, and I've got the 91 tune because that's what you can find everywhere out here. Right. And uh, it's been great. And uh, you know, I've got the California uh, Carb EO tune, so it's a little bit down on power on some of the other tunes. If you if you don't need a Carb EO. Right. Um, but wholly drivable. And as we established previously, your Jeep has three pedals. Yeah, my, my Jeep is a manual, has three pedals. Gas, brake, and man pedal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, the capital M-A-N. Man yes, pedal. Exactly. That's right. Um, but the thing I like about it the most is passing power. Nice. That's probably the place where the Jeep is the worst, is it's a giant brick, and you get it up to 70, and you're like, well, that's it. And he has a rooftop tent. And I have a rooftop ah. tent, and I have 37-inch tires, and all that kind of good and stuff. And him. And me. <laughs> so what about gearing? Where are you at on gearing? Four eighty eights. Okay. So forty eight gears, thirty sevens, rooftop tent. Okay. Um, and it's 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 been great. Like I said, drivability's been great, and it'll cruise all day, and it's completely comfortable. And when I need that extra power, especially hills, now I'll get lazy because it's got a better torque band, and I'll leave it in gear. And I'm like, all right, fine, I'll shift now. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But lug you it. can you can lug it up the hills a lot better than you could before, right? Yeah, yeah, you definitely. You know, I would say that if you're expecting a lot of power off idle to 2,000, it feels pretty much stock there. There's pretty good mid range, and then when you get it above like 4,000, 4,500, it it goes. So it's not going to be a, a, a low end torque monster, but where it's going to give you that that peace of mind, that drivability for me, highways passing mountain roads where you can just leave it in a uh, gear higher than you used to be able to leave it in. I do have to watch my uh, my heavy foot on uh, on passing and enjoying it too much because it'll mm. kill my range on that big square Jeep. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it's it's it's. I, I was happy I got 15 miles per gallon downhill from Flagstaff to Phoenix. That's not, not bad. bad. Downhill. That's not a downhill. <laughs> downhill. They, they get, if people are wondering, so 37s manual, 488s, uh, rooftop tent, two and a half inch lift. I get a average on the highway if i'm doing the speed limit or thereabouts so let's call it 75 to 78 i'm doing about 12 and a half okay hand hand calculated not not car calculated right and if i get down and that's with the tent i can get about a mile and a half better with the tent off 
And if I'm around 65, 70, I'm solidly in like that 14 range. Okay. And then anything over that, I'm 10 and 11. You know, if I well, want to cruise at 82 through Utah, I'm paying for it. Yeah. Yeah. And the way you're equipped with the weight. Yeah. And the accessories and the tire size, that's respectable. Yeah. All I wanted to do was get back to stock power delivery, right? I, right. I, I did, we didn't do the blower because I wanted to go, you know, on drag races. I, I wanted to get the blower because I got a lot of weight on the vehicle and I go way out in the backcountry. But the beauty is it's done nothing that's made me go, oh, I don't trust it to take it off-road and sure. somewhere. I've been hundreds of miles away from places on trails. Starts right up. No problems. Awesome. Does its thing. Awesome. One thing that's new since we talked before is our new uh, twin force turbo system for the Raptor truck. Oh. Say what? Yes. So remember we talked about him being the forced induction manager? Yes. So is this where that finally uh, this, we could talk, talk this about This is that? what we were hinting to on the last, awesome. okay. the last podcast. So uh, if it's the uh, 3.5 liter HO, which is what the engine you'll find in the Raptor and in the limited truck. Uh, 3.5 EcoBoost truck. Yep. So we've got three stages. The first stage is uh, intercooler, uh, turbo inlet piping, the calibration, the air filter, etc. It's good for around an 85 horsepower gain at the rear tires. Wow. Stage two uh, adds a pair of turbos that we collaborated with Garrett Turbo on the design. It's a, got a 60 millimeter billet wheel, um, Inconel uh, exhaust wheel, stainless housing. Uh, you spared no expense there. Yeah, yeah. It, this is a top, first class, top of the line turbo. It's uh, they the testing showed that it flows fifty four percent more on the compressor side and fifty two percent more on the turbine side. Wow. So it's a real good performer. The inlet of the turbo is uh, two and three quarters inches, where the stock turbo is two inches. Okay. So that's a massive difference on that inlet. It that's is. a massive difference. It is. It's I think it's sixty percent. Yeah. Bigger. So the stage two adds the turbos. Well, then when we added the turbos. We found out there was a fuel system limitation. So about a hundred and eighty horsepower gain uh, kind of tapped out the fuel system. So stage three adds a booster pump and a different calibration. Now these turbos are the twenty seventeen, and it's, this is for twenty seventeen through 2021. Yeah, those, those are the ones that... Uh, they have electronic wastegate. So we can just kind of do what we want to, right? We can make them do what we want to. So so the Stage 3 kit uh, is good for 200 horse at the tire gain. Wow. So it's 500 horsepower at the tires. And that's fully carb legal, 50 state legal. Was that a uh, was that a pain in the keister to get that uh, through the system, or did it? Honestly, it was interesting for us. Normally, we're adapting a naturally aspirated vehicle to a to, supercharger. Right, this is already forced induction. It was already, it was already boosted. So oh, yeah. The so, okay. factory calibration already Not had, deviating that far. No, and the factory uh, system, uh, the factory truck, I'm told, is uh, will make about 14 to 15 pounds of boost, and we're up to around 20. So okay. Still not crazy. And the EcoBoost is a stout engine. Like, the internals of that engine are really, really yep. stout because they wanted it for truck duty. And so Absolutely. it had to pass truck durability cycles. Now, what are you doing for tuning? Because this comes up all the all the time because sure. unless you're in with Ford, you're chasing their tuning. We know. In fact, uh, I just did a panel on tuning uh, with Gale. I'd, I'd, like to hear, I'd like to hear about that yeah. because people are being locked out. And right. unless you're with them, um, there are some manufacturers that are in bed with the, with the OEs. But most right. are not. And they have to tune around it. I know that, like in Holman's application, you guys—he sent his in. Uh, the, you guys right. basically yeah, sent it to HP Tuner. They opened it up and do it, and then put their own chip ins. Yep. It's programmable. That's the right. whole thing—they got to work around it. Um, and then, so it, it still is the the end result's the same, but how you get there is different. Yeah, it's more difficult than ever, and it's going to only get worse. Uh, I need to correct something. I said through twenty one. This 
current kit goes through 20. Yeah. Okay. And in 21, there's a change in the architecture for the PCM that will require additional steps yes. to calibrate it. Um, and 22 is over-the-air updates, I'm hearing, too. Co- correct. Which is going to be a whole other hurdle for that, us in the aftermarket to, to that's overcome. That's absolutely correct. And we so we're, um, we partner with HP Tuners on the 17 through 20 and have a great solution for calibrating that. Uh, we've Just here at the show, we had some meetings with a couple of partners, and I think we've worked out a solution for the 21, oh, which really? is also going to open us up to be able to calibrate the new Bronco. Oh, which uh, and and so wait, was eager. that was that yeah. over the air or not over the air on twenty one? Twenty one is not over the so air. So twenty two is over the air, okay. right? So that's God's going to change so much. It's yet to be determined. It, it's going to change our whole industry. It's going to, um, I, I don't know. So there's, Holman, there's a lot of questions. Holman marks. just left the panel. He had Gail Banks and a bunch of other people yeah. on his panel. I don't know if we should talk about that here with David or we should do that in another segment because I want to get a recap of your panel. Yeah, it went by fast. I don't, even, I don't remember. Oh, really? No, we had... Uh, we had. Uh, but do you want to do that with David or you want to do that later? No, sure. We can, t- we can talk about it okay. now because it was yeah. it, a, bunch of, a bunch of heavies in the, uh, in the industry. And um, it was really interesting. It, it, the panel was called um, Challenges to uh, Modding the Modern Powertrain. And we had some great people on the panel. You can tell Holman likes phonetics. We had, we had <laughs> Andrew uh, Murnone from HB Tuners. We had Gail on. We had Mark Wilson from Ford, kind of representing Ford Performance and, okay. and their own difficulties in-house with tuning and how they work with the aftermarket. We had uh, Chris Johnson from SCT, and then we had Xander Thin from um, Lingenfelter. So that was, a, you know, these are all tuning guys. It's all the people that yeah. are involved in this. Yeah. So we had a great discussion that we basically were talking about what the challenges are, what the future is. That's where we talked about the over-the-air updates, what that looks like. Um, and there's software coming now that... Um, I guess called Sense, where they're going to be able to find out what, if you ever plugged anything in, period. You know, it's not going to be right. like you can unplug something in and then unplug it and the trace is gone. Right. This new setup is going to leave a fingerprint and let you know. So there's a lot of challenges coming 22 sure. and beyond with this new architecture. I think they called it, um, oh, it was a B, uh, B something. Global B. Yeah, Global, global B. B. There's a Global B light and Global B. And that's the, I guess, the operating system or the architecture of these ECMs. And it's, it's fascinating. We talked about encryption and, and how you get into it. And um, it, I think SEMA is going to post it on their SEMA education website. Um, it's, it's, worth a, uh, it's worth a watch. I think there's some good conversation that happened there. Is there anything hopeful? Or, yeah, I mean, oh, there's it, always something hopeful. Yeah, there, there's definitely some, uh, there's some good ideas floating around out there. And there's some really smart people working on that. And I'm... I'm confident that there will be some form of a solution. I, I think it's possible we may also see a trend in people that are looking to modify to, to looking back a few years at a little bit yeah. older. I mean, I, I think the people in our market have in mind to modify their vehicles when they purchase them. Yeah. And I think you're, you're you may probably secondary you're going to see a yeah. secondary market, I think, develop where vehicles are, you know, normally we're, we want to be on the leading edge of yeah. new vehicle yeah. releases and we want to be able to sell kits for vehicles that are current models yeah. or well, one of the maybe things, two. But. One of the things that I brought up in this thing was if you don't have, you know, OE and aftermarket needs to have a, a partnership because no OE platform is successful without aftermarket support and aftermarket needs new OE vehicles to keep innovating and doing the job. The thing that I brought up was the OEs, and one of the things we learned, right, the OEs, don't, they're not against the aftermarket, but they have to protect themselves from warranty, liability, and other things, other things, especially with the EPA breathing down their necks and all that kind of stuff, right? So you have that going on. They also want to protect their aftermarket parts you know, thing. They want Ford Performance wants to have the tune and all that to sell that to you so that you, know, you stay within the Ford empire. 
But my question was, if the OE doesn't open up and make it easier for the aftermarket to tune, and you've got all these electric vehicles coming out, they're coming with 800 and 1,000 horsepower from the factory, do we hasten the demise of our love of the internal combustion engine because you can get so much power without doing anything with no emissions and not worry about it on the electric side? And so we have to think about that as an industry. We don't want to hasten our own demise by making it so difficult that we can't mod and do the things we love to a V8. So I don't know if anybody's looking at it that way. I mean, it's an interesting question. If you, if you want my opinion on the whole EV situation, sure. I personally don't think it's going to kill or significantly affect the people that are wanting to modify gasoline and diesel engines. Yeah, I agree. They're with us for probably another 20, 25 years plus, I would imagine. Our children, though, will have to contend with it. Our children will have different choices for sure, but if you think about, um, I'll give you an example, carburetors. Sure. No no vehicle has come from the factory with a carburetor since 87. 86, and you guys have a new carburetor that just came out, we, completely new design. You would you would absolutely not believe me if I told you how many carburetors we sell. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. I bet you sell over 100,000 a year. That's low. Oh. <laughs> there's, a lot of car, there's a lot of old cars so, out there. So my, wow. point, my point is, I can remember 10 years ago, I was in the fuel injection division of our company, and a lot of people were, you know, um, had the opinion that fuel injection technology was going to improve to the point of obsoleting carburetors. And I'm just going to tell you that is proven to be false. Well, we talked about in this panel, one of the things that came up was the transition from carbs to EFI, and where the manufacturers are, are trying to get hit all these emission targets. And they went, ha, we're, you know, the joke was the EPA has been trying to take away our screwdrivers since 1974, right? And so you remove the carburetor and they said, we've got this EFI, now they can't tinker with it. Well, lo and behold, here we come and we're, right. we're you know, 40 years later, still doing it. But I think there's just a passion. If you look around, all the people walking these halls, everybody here doesn't see their vehicle as just a way to get to work and back or to the store and back. No, those people are not here. They are not here. They exist, Yeah. but they're not here. And this whole industry, I think that passion is going to continue to drive people to find solutions to these barriers. If that means buying, you know, vehicles that are a little bit older, I think we might see a resurgence of more aftermarket parts offerings for vehicles that are we're in the sweet spot of the golden age right now of the internal combustion engine everybody needs to do their part buy those vehicles now so they're available in 10 or 15 years as uh, used vehicles that we can all keep modding and maybe i'm just a ridiculous optimist but i just i just see um there's so much passion in this industry for the technology and the modification uh, and I personally think electric vehicle technology is cool. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm interested in it. I know there's. I'm open-minded to it, but I'm not ready to <laughs> hand over my, uh, my my keys to my gas-powered vehicle. But I'm not trading my gas yeah. vehicle for, yeah. off for one. There might, you know, for some people, it might be a commuter, a third car, or something you give your kids for low yeah. maintenance and safe to go to school. Yeah. Sure. But it's not an enthusiast vehicle to me right now. Although there's some cool stuff out there, but we'll see. Right. J- jury's it, open. Everything in life is incremental. There's there's never one solution to a problem it's yeah. generally smaller solutions and i think electric vehicles is not a solution to our energy problems or yeah. anything else sure it's it's a part and i think it'll yeah. remain a part but i think the the advances that we do to try to make vehicles gas and diesel vehicles more ecologically sound right if i can borrow yeah. a, well especially a any highway <laughs> if synthetic fuels come in too that yeah, could yeah. be a game changer as well absolutely both the production of the fuels, the emissions that they yeah. make, all that stuff. So I'm hope I'm very hopeful. Being 
right in the center of this and being dependent on yeah. this technology be developed, I'm hopeful and, and uh, I'm very optimistic about it. I'm just glad that uh, you're making superchargers and turbo kits and doing the Lord's work. I don't know if we talked about the power output on the LS trucks, the 550 at the wheels? Yep, 550 at the wheels. So uh, if you've got a Silverado and you want over 500 horsepower, uh, Edelbrock has, a, has an answer for you. That's no joke. That's, Where do we go to check that out? You would go to www.edelbrock.com. Well, that's way too difficult <laughs> or obvious. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, appreciate you spending time awesome. with us, and always good to see you. Yeah, and, good, uh, to, good to see you guys, and thanks for having me on again. Always you, you welcome on the show, my friend. All right, thanks. Thank you. Holman, we are joined by a living legend. This is uh, automotive wow. royalty right here. Yes, legit. John Hotchkiss is in the house with us. Why? On the, on the, uh, why on here the with us? Pod. Because Aren't you a busy man, John? No, because okay. this woman screwed up. She had him booked on another one that was the Schmuck Schmo Schmodcast. Oh, that one, yeah. And he ended up on the Churchill Podcast. Yes. yes. <laughs> and he just showed up here and we got him on with us. Well, well, I'll tell you, I am so excited to be on with you guys. This is fantastic. And hey, anytime we can talk cars, trucks, and also uh, uh, politics and, and fighting for what we love and our hobby, hey, I'm in. All right, oh, my God. So don't, we, don't we, go down that road yet. Well, we'll get say, normally we stay away from politics, but we're not staying away from politics here. Not, not of this This one. matters to everybody who's listening. And uh, well, Do you want to launch with that or you want to get into suspension? Well, well, I was just going to talk about how I like to eat red meat and fire my gun in the air and I love cars. But yeah, we can talk about suspension. If you're into pro touring, you know his name. Yes, if you're, absolutely. But I think if, if you're a guy in your con construction, you've got a lift kit, you may not be familiar with the Hotchkiss name, but you have been into performance suspension. For cars and trucks, for how long? Oh my God! Our first SEMA was 1993. Okay. I mean, it's incredible how how at one how long that's been, but also <laughs> how fast it's gone. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's incredible, and we're so excited to be here. You know, this was uh, after missing 2020. Uh, who knew how this would be, and plus the COVID issues, but it's great. It's, it's awesome. I mean, this has 100%. been a fantastic scene We've been talking to people about how busy it is, but yet you can still walk around. And that, isn't that great? <laughs> and I'm like, make SEMA like this all the time. And I've had friends who own companies back home who are like, hey, we didn't come house SEMA. And I'm like, it's awesome. And it seems like everybody who's supposed to be here is here. You don't have like a lot of like periphery people that bought their you know uh, credentials like Craigslist last night. Well, until it's tomorrow. Industry. Until tomorrow. Until tomorrow. Yeah. When it's open. But everyone. it's great. Like there's there's we've had a steady stream of people. It's if you think about it this way, it's as big as any trade show you've ever been to. Is it small for a SEMA? Yeah, but you know what? It's a lot bigger than last year. And you know what's so <laughs> cool? This is the largest trade show in North America yeah. this year. Is that by square yeah. footage or, or people? No, no, people. Square footage, yeah. everything. Yeah, I heard that stat we're, the other day. SEMA went out on a limb and said, we're going. We're not being bashful. Yeah, we're making this happen. Awesome. And, it, and the West Hall really helps to spread things out. And it's nice because again, there's moving room. Like before, you've got like five old guys in a hover in hover rounds racing each other, blocking the entire row. And now you can walk around them. It's great. I really <laughs> and I like the fact that the off all the off road everything is over in the West Hall because yeah. it's beautiful. Not it's only great. is the lighting, it's there's more room. Uh, don't yeah, I haven't ceiling, been able it, to see it. It's yet. awesome. It is. I got to get awesome. over there. And that uh, you got to get there. And the uh, the, the Tesla Loop deal with the uh, the cars that get you from uh, South Central to uh, to West is pretty cool. That was fun. I mean to go into the the, the tunnel yeah. and now I do can't wait until they're uh, you know automat or autonomous driving that'll be pretty cool. That's right. what they said and then they also I guess got 26 miles approved to go from the airport to the strip and then to the stadium so there's going to be a lot more this was like sort of the test deal but Vegas is building a uh, underground city. <laughs> yeah, it, it is neat. But 
gosh, back to this, it's, a, it's so amazing. So uh, years ago, we started with performance suspension for muscle cars because yeah, like, like Banks and anybody else who makes great power, there, there just wasn't suspension to handle all of that. So you could, you could update your engine, you could do uh, better wheels and tires. Intake exhaust, everything was covered. You got power, no way to get it to keep it on the ground. Yes. And, and, and do it in turns. And the worst <laughs> thing you can do is have a lot of power with, with suspension that was designed decades ago. And so then we said, okay, how do we, how do we make a classic muscle car handle like a new car? And, and then it's just evolved from then. So for instance, 69 Camaro handle like a brand new Camaro, uh, Chevelle, whatever it is. And, and uh, we even do new cars. We, do, uh, we have sway bars for the now the, the new C8 Corvette, adjustable sway bars so they're, it's quicker on the track. Because people say, well, how do you modify something that's, that's state-of-the-art, brand yeah. new? Leading well, edge already. It, it is, but it's, but it's only designed to, for the, the percentile of, of street drivers. It's the common denominator, right? So, yes. it, so there's fringe cases that need more. And they're, they're designing for the fat of the market. And there's always ways to say, if you're willing to have this compromise over here, we can give you a whole lot over on this side. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So anyways, we, ch we can change the handling balance with a sway bar, our sway bar package, make it so it, it uh, more understeer, more oversteer, more neutral. But bottom line, make it have more grip, more directional stability, and be faster. What about the, uh, have you guys tackled the vintage truck market? Because that's been really big in pro touring and things like that too. That's, that's it, in a it, it, we really have, and I'll go back a few years. We um, worked with a guy named Mike Hickman with his C10 truck. Yeah. Because right now uh, we go from really the first, or 64 to 72. Okay. And I can't wait to do more. Yeah. Because we need to go all the way up to 98. Oh, absolutely. And, and we will. Uh, but we developed a complete package uh, for this, so so front suspension, rear suspension, uh, we did a, a, a panard rod or, or or truck arm or track rod, and and we just made this car. We did shocks with Fox, and uh, we made it so that there go my friends on their scooters. <laughs> See, it's oh. those guys. Look, they're getting around and they're not blocking anybody because there's so much room. Isn't it's awesome, that hilarious. <laughs> and and uh, they also don't need them either. Yeah. No, they <laughs> don't. No. They don't. No. Those guys. Those are like the guys from Jackass, you know, Johnny Knoxville cruising <laughs> yeah. around bumping into people. <laughs> well, Come I'll tell on. you something funny, and they would laugh at this because they always say those are my crazy rich Asian friends because they really are. <laughs> 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 They're hilarious, good guys. But anyway, they heard so, you. He just looked yeah, at your eyes like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, no, this, the C10 truck has been great for us, and uh, we with a full package on it. Anyway, a guy named Mike Hickman put a LS3, then a Magnuson supercharger, and this was probably six years ago, had 505 horsepower to the rear wheels. We went up to Willow Springs and did, did Big Willow, did Streets of Willow, and then we did Skid Pad, and we got it to a G, and I know oh we could gosh. have done more Amazing. than that. And, uh, and we put Sparco seats in it. And here was a guy that he was getting into his 60s and he, he was retiring from a long time with Toyota. And he said, hey, I want a truck that is just like a Corvette. And so we said, hey, <laughs> kind of guy. here's a Corvette with a bed. And yeah. he yeah. absolutely loved it. And That's so awesome. tell us about that suspension. What it, what's, it's coilovers. So right? we, we didn't do upper, lower we didn't, arms. We didn't do coilovers, we did upper and lower uh, front arms, co control arms. We did uh, our 22 position adjustable Fox shocks. 
We did springs, we did drop spindles. Okay. Uh, we actually built this whole truck, so we, we stiffened the frame and put lots of support in it to make it, it much stiffer. Because interesting, with a C10 frame, they're pretty flimsy on purpose. Yeah, they were designed to flex with the load yes, in the bed. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Which doesn't so, make for a very good autocross vehicle. <laughs> no, no. So anyway. Where your bed is dragging and you're... <laughs> we, we stiffened it up and made it into a great truck. Uh, did uh, We even did uh, relocated the uh, pickup points for the truck arms so that we could do, in front we did anti-dive, in rear we did anti-squat, we did, we did everything to make it so they could really grip much better and, and much more adjustable. We did, we did monoball bearings in the truck arms, too, so that we could eliminate the, the, really the movement and the, the slop in stock, stock rubber bushings. And we just went the whole truck and, and just made it much, much better. Lowered it, I think it was four and six inches. Sure. And it needs it. Yes, exactly. And it's got big wheel wells, and you can put a big tire on it, yeah. too. Yeah. How many applications do you have? Because I, went, I was familiar with Hotchkiss, but I didn't realize the breadth of your offerings until I lowered, uh, Holman, look the other way, look the other way, until I lowered my R53 Mini Cooper. And I, it's, it had so much- This is the Mini Cooper uh, podcast. It, had, it had so much negative camber, and I went and I Googled, and Hotchkiss pops up, and I, they have adjustable links for the rear arms on my, on my Cooper, and I go, and now I've sold it to one of our fans since then, but, I go, this is exactly what I need. And I, I did not expect to see it from Hotchkiss. And I bought them, they were billet, they were, they were amazing. And they solved the issue and they were super easy to install. They looked good, they were anodized, they were gorgeous. I wanna say they were blue and black. And they, it was just, they solved the problem elegantly. And I was stunned that it came from you. I was happy. It was, and I went over to the office and I grabbed the Hotchkiss as I waited and went will call. And I'm thumbing through going, Dear God, like look at all this, the offerings. Uh, so we, that's a we, lot of work. We're always busy, and we're really a, a product engineering-based company, and we want to make sure that whatever it is, we make it so that it it handles much better. And so, you got rid of all my negative camber. It was exactly. great. I was blowing so, through tires. So through, ten thousand miles on a pair of tires, brand new tires, smoking the insides. I, I went almost 35,000 miles with the next set of tires after your links. Jay, that's so cool. And so, so what we did, we started with muscle, muscle cars, but we said, what else? What else is what's there? What's being tracked? Yeah, There's exactly. a lot of Coopers and being tracked. What's being tracked? So we were heavily involved with NASA and SCCA, always HPDE and, and autocross. And what do people want to drive on those and how can we, uh, how can we make that better? So with the Mini Cooper, it was so great. We had a customer that uh, had, was, was taken in delivery, delivered the, one of the first in Southern California, took, brought it right to our shop, and took it apart, and he said, bring it back to me when all the suspension is right, when it's, when it's track what ready. What a fun challenge. Yeah. But also, um, still comfortable on the street, because anybody can make it stiff, but, uh, and then lose the street ability. So we made adjustable suspension for it. We made uh, everything from the front. We did springs and shocks and and uh, those adjustable camber links. Yeah. And, and uh, then we built two Mini Coopers and and uh, our engineer at the time did extremely well on autocross. So that was only one thing. So then we do. You probably don't know, but we have BMW sway bars from E36, E46 to uh, E92 and newer. 
And so we make the most aggressive BMW sway bars for the guy who does autocross or track day. Interesting, okay. And uh, we're the, one of the largest sway bar producers in the country. And so there are a lot of are things. You, are you making them in-house? Yes. What? Right in Whittier, California. American made. That's awesome. So Just down the street from, uh, from Banks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Well, so, I've been at the office. I didn't realize you were doing all those sway bars. And a lot of guys are using the private labeling. The big E company on Corona, yes. right? They're doing a lot of the bent materials, the coil over sing- or the, the coils, the springs, and all that stuff. They just slap their name on it, but you're doing it yourself. We are doing it ourselves, and That's we a buy massive m- miles of steel and and make it into great products like sway bars and more. I hope you have barbed wire on top of your fences right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the here's the thing. We uh, right before COVID, it moved the whole company to Mooresville, North Carolina, and so we are right in NASCAR country. Where, but what's so cool about Mooresville, it's really the Silicon Valley for cars yeah. and, and trucks. It. Uh, I've been there. It's amazing. You guys have such engineering talent, like concentrated in that area. Oh, it's. I mean, ha- imagine three wind tunnels in town. Yeah. There are also all the NASCAR guys are the out NASCAR there. NASCAR guys. Yeah. There's, there's Formula One. There's drag racing. There's um, incredible amount of aviation and military yeah. suppliers. So for us, it reminds us of when we started in California. Sure. And and the, because at that time there was Rockwell and Boeing and, and, and McDonnell Boeing, Douglas, and, yeah, all Northrop. Everybody yeah. was there. And then we could we could get powder coated and we could do plating. Right. We could talk to in, air aviation engineers and and just say, hey, if you had this, how would you? You know, take yeah. it to the next Lots level. Lots of metallurgy specialists and coating specialists and people show uh, you how, oh, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So that's really what Mooresville is becoming. Yeah. And so we're so glad to be there and, and uh, sad to leave California. But So uh, are you out of California completely? hundred percent. So you don't even have a satellite office here anymore? We do not. So you personally moved. Uh, are you born yeah. or raised in Cali? Yes. Was it weird to move? It's weird. I'm still... Do you miss the beach or do you never go to the beach? You're tanned, so you must miss the beach. (laughs) I'd see see, see these lights here. Sure it is. is. But uh, no, I'm still back in California. I'm about 60% of the time in Mooresville. Okay. And uh, so I'm going back and forth. But at some point, it would be great to probably move, but still, I, I wouldn't. We wouldn't leave California. So what? Before we move on to the uh, the legality in the in the SEMA question, I want to say um, what make what sets Hotchkiss suspension apart from your competitors? Oh, it's a great question. I, I think we make the very best in. I know we make the very best in bolt-on muscle car suspension, or European, or uh, also uh, truck. Uh, <coughs> truck. Truck. We make a lot of truck, <laughs> and then uh, and and we do. Uh, uh, Nissan and, and kind of the fastest uh, Japanese cars as well. But what, what makes us really different in the fact that I come from a racing background. Uh, raced, I mean, raced at Le Mans 1989, uh, raced five Daytona 24 hours. Um, always, I mean, uh, that's all I ever wanted to do is race. Where suspension makes or breaks the car. Exactly, yeah. because you put a microphone in the driver after the race and said, you know, hey, why did he win? What happened to you? It, Generally, the driver doesn't say, well, he had more horsepower, because everybody has great horsepower. Sure. But the car didn't handle. And so yeah. then we it's take... It's the little stuff. Yeah, we take that that knowledge of racing and how to get around a lap and how to make really efficient, efficient suspension, efficient handling, and say, okay, from a clean sheet of paper, how do we make the very best bolt-on suspension we can? And we, we don't cut any corners. Everything is made in America of everything's made right in Morrisville or our sway bar manufacturing in Whittier. And so we concentrate on every single detail and we make it so that the do-it-yourself person 
has a great time with it. A shop can put it on quickly, or do-it-yourself person can because we have I all did the hardware. I did it in my garage. Yeah, exactly. My garage. We have all the hardware. We have everything. So easy, whether it's a car or truck, you can put it on no problem. Okay. So now let's talk. Yeah, I, I, I want to get into what is affecting everybody listening, and that's the SEMA pack. And that's something that you guys are doing to keep our rights in check, RPM Act, all the things you're working on. SEMA, I, I think many people may understand what SEMA is. It's more than a show that happens once a year in Vegas. It's an organization that protects, supports, advocates for the automotive aftermarket. Absolutely, and, and what happens is SEMA companies, you get so busy with what you're doing if you're developing turbos or transmissions, engines, suspension, and you don't realize how much SEMA has to offer. And SEMA is only here a way to put on a great trade show to get us more business, but also to protect us and offer opportunities for business. So there's a tremendous amount that SEMA offers members and, and uh, I encourage people to go to SEMA.org and look at that. But where I'm really focused uh, in the time that I'm away from the suspension design is on the SEMA pack. I was lucky to serve two terms on the SEMA board and uh, that was just wonderful. And now to, to take the SEMA pack, I was in Washington DC for a, a SEMA rally, which I highly recommend because you can actually sign up with SEMA. They'll, they'll put you with your uh, elected official from your area. Oh, wow. And either once a year, once every other year, and when it opens up after COVID, we finally get back to the Capitol, then, then SEMA companies can go, organized by SEMA, can go talk to their representatives and say, hey, this is what's important sure. to me. Small business success, uh, admissions, uh, modifying, whatever it is. We have this gazillion dollar industry. You guys should be taking care of us because we provide a lot to the economy and a lot of jobs and all those things. I think a lot of people have heard the term PAC, Political Action Committee, um, and you're the chairman of the SEMA PAC currently right now. Could you explain what the PAC stands for, what it means, maybe the mission of it, so people can understand what a Political Action Committee is and exactly what you guys are doing? Obviously, you just kind of did a high level, but Oh, absolutely. No, great question. The day-to-day. So -day. What are you getting done for us? Absolutely. So people say, well, what, is, what does SEMA do for us? Well, SEMA has a staff in Washington, D.C., lobbyists, lawyers, uh, assistants, that go to bat for us every day, walking the halls of Cap the Capitol building, making appointment with, with elected officials, telling them what's important, why we... Uh, why A, we need to do all of this business, whether it's anything underneath the SEMA umbrella, why it's so important. So you're saying there are face-to-face -face conversations that are happening. All the These time. These are not there's just there's emails. The there's either, a lot of packs right? in the world for different industries, and you're fighting for the time to get in front of these legislators and representatives. And what it will end up happening is if you don't have skin in the game and you don't have people, you're going to miss those opportunities to have those real in-person conversations. So the networking, essentially, of making sure that they understand how much power, size, money, people, whatever is behind SEMA as an organization, those are the levers you can pull in Washington, D.C. to make sure that we can still be automotive enthusiasts. And and now there's there's more pressure on this entire industry than ever before, whether it's, it's land for off-road, whether it's uh, modifying new vehicles, whether it's getting into the ECU of a new car or truck, and, and not modifying it legally, but, but and to, even right set to repair. Standard, set standards, right to repair. 
So we say freedom, freedom to modify, right to repair, right to do your own work on your car or truck. USA, and USA, USA. USA. <laughs> exactly, and so the SEMA, SEMA PAC is, is a, an organization that actually we fund the politicians that have our back. So uh, we make sure whether they're on either side of the aisle that they care about our industry. That's important, bipartisan. Oh, this 100%. This isn't red or blue, this is a automotive thing. Yes, because... And there's, so, a, there's a lot of people who might be a different per political persuasion as you, and they love cars just like you do. Uh, that, I was just going to say that because um, if you talk to somebody behind whatever they do, many times there's such a good car story. And so it doesn't matter if what side of the aisle they're on. It's a great equalizer. If, if, it unites yep, us all. Yep. Yep. So, and we if they'll protect us, and if they'll go to bat for us and, and make sure that, because there, there are some specific laws right now that are, that are really um, right at our doorstep that we yeah. need to protect ourselves, but also there are overreaching laws, like well, Green New the, uh, Yeah, the RPM Act is yeah. very, very important. Yeah, 100%. And it, and it, we haven't... Or we, EPA we, enforcing like the OBD2, where you go in and are removing some parameters that report back and how that whole thing's gotten messy with tuning. I mean, that's... Well, that's, the fact that they're going to be sniffing our vehicles. Yes, you know? Now, and let me tell you about the RPM Act. So uh, the, the, the EPA under the Clean Air Act has this kind of overreaching bill that says that you cannot take a uh, car or truck with a VIN number right. and you cannot turn that into a race car. And so that the, the, any car with a VIN number needs to, the hood's locked. And you can't you can't modify it. You need to have you, all the emissions equipment even, on it. Yes, regardless. even if even you can't take it off road, meaning off the off the road, right. And race it, and that is just. It's my understanding that absurd. you either have a once a car is built with a VIN, it rolls off. There's an emissions uh, set of emissions regulations for that make, model, year, everything, right? And that goes with that vehicle forever. You cannot modify that. And the problem is, is that there's no way to take that off the government's books to say. Take this VIN, XY6704, and it is now an off-highway vehicle for the rest of its life. There's no provision for that. The government knows this VIN and has a set of emissions regulations for this VIN forever. Right? Am I and, wrong and there? And even if the vehicle right. is unregistered, off the off the uh, and a non rolls. That's yeah. not a non-op. A non-op means it's sitting in your backyard, no, 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 but yeah. it still has, but, that's but it, not it. No, no. Like, non-op means you can bring it back easily in the future. Right. I'm talking about it's not registered. It's it's not doesn't have any you know headlights and it's never going back to the street. There's no way currently, if you read the letter of the law if they wanted to enforce it for us to go and make that a race car. And that's what a lot of us have been doing for decades. Oh, absolutely. I mean, All would, the original NASCARs were cars. It would be devastating you know? for our, our whole industry because not only that, but then you open the can of worms and then there are so many other laws too. But what's happening is with the RPM Act, two elected officials in North Carolina have sponsored this uh, bill to make sure that, that we, that doesn't happen to us. And so there are politicians in TC that are fighting to make sure that the EPA doesn't lock our, our streetcars, does not, this doesn't happen. So getting behind the RPM Act is, is the number one thing is working on right now. Uh, and we have to make sure that that doesn't happen. It would be horrible to criminalize somebody that just wants to go racing. Oh, but uh, really racing though, not just say no, you're no, racing no, no, no. and I'm then not, taking no, it on I'm the not streets. I'm talking about right. the illegitimate companies that are selling off-road only parts to sneak around the rules. I, I get, 
that's not this conversation. This conversation is a legitimate racer who wants to go out there, a yeah. company, a manufacturer, I, I want to buy a Jeep, and I want to only take it off-road in Moab. That's the only thing I'm ever going to do with that. I want to be able to do it legally and mod the, you, this vehicle. You should not be criminalized for that. Criminalize, criminal penalties should be because you offed somebody in the parking lot and stole their wallet. Not because you want to go racing. <laughs> no, exactly. And so uh, SEMA is, they, they say protect, I mean, we say protect your freedom to customize. And and you can do that by joining new SEMA individual membership. How do we and do that? That's really easy. Just go to SEMA.org individual membership. It's so easy. It's 40 bucks. Can I ask a dumb question? Sure. Most of my questions are dumb. Is this for industry or can any Joe no, Schmo? Anybody. And no. So our listeners can yes, all join. Absolutely. Here's the beauty okay. of this. Well, because you're listening. SEMA is an organizational body for the for members yes. of the aftermarket. Our listeners are not all part of that. Absolutely. So this They is can the, be with a membership. That, well, that's yes. what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's, that's clear. the beauty We're, of this. We, we want to grow this. You guys can join this now yes. today. Yes. I mean, all... How many in car, motorcycle, automotive truck enthusiasts are out there? Everybody's eligible. And every, the more that join, the more that spend the $40, that money will go right to the SEMA DC office and will go to support politicians that have our back. And so- It's it, less than a tank of gas today. Oh, it's completely it's worth probably it. It's probably worth a, a dinner somewhere. You yes. know, like it's, you just skip one meal and you can have SEMA representing you. Yeah. It, it is the best thing SEMA has done for so long and they've worked incredibly hard with legal team figuring out how to do this. And then once you have invested your $40, you can also then join the SEMA pack and you can you can put donate more money and uh, but hey, we're we're just we just want to get this independent or individual membership done. So we're all in it, we're all fighting and we can all keep going to SEMA and, and enjoying our vehicles. John Hotchkiss! John Hotchkiss! Hey. John. <laughs> you know, somebody should elect him to the uh, chairperson of the SEMA pack. That's <laughs> yeah. oh, wait, oh, wait, that already done. happened. All right. All right, so where, for, for suspension, they're going where again? So they're going to Hotchkiss.net, H-O-T-C-H-K-I-S.net for car, truck, all the suspension Minis. you need. Awesome. John, would it be okay if we spent some more time with you in, uh, coming up in the near future? Yeah, we'd love oh, to have you back on the show more. for a We've longer segment to talk about this. That would be fantastic because we could go how we design things, new products. I have too many coming. questions that we can't do here. Yes. 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 No, I would love to do that. John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, guys, and what a great opportunity. Awesome. Thank you. So, Holman, we're going to talk 12 volts. Well, maybe, maybe it'll be other I thought voltages, we were going to talk uh, deep cycle. We can talk deep cycle. We're starting. We have Cameron Douglas in the house. What's going on from Optima? Howdy. Yeah, nice to be here. Thanks. Fantastic. We've we, known uh, Cam for a little while. 20 years. <laughs> a little <laughs> bit. Probably something yeah. like that. Yeah, and uh, I have used many, many, many in Optima in my day. I've uh, got a stack of them at home, probably. Well, why do you have a stack? You should only have one because they don't go bad. <laughs> no, they work. They're, they're awesome. I it's think just... he's got more than one car. Yeah. That may have something. Let's Although, see, uh, you don't have one in the uh, in the Jeep, the old, the odd Ford. No, but I, but I have one in the F100. Yes, you do. That's, yep. an, op that's an Optima red top. Okay. Yeah. Have you done yellow tops or just uh, red tops? Uh, my preference on my old Jeep, uh, yellow tops. And okay. I like yellow tops because you have good starting power. So no issue with cold cranking after anything. But because they're deep cycle, so if you're an overlander or 
if you're somebody with a high uh, accessory load, you can draw them down deeper and have them recover, and you're still good to go. So for you know those types of situations, I've always liked using the yellow top. Well, let, let's back awesome. up and it, it, let's explain, Cameron, who you are and why you're important to Optima, and then let's get into the different uh, styles or, or tech behind the Optima batteries. Well, I'm Cam Douglas. I'm Director of Marketing for Optima Batteries. I've been with the company since the early 90s. So really since we launched, we, we, since the time we could make enough batteries to launch it to the civilian world. Prior to that, it was all sold to military. Oh, and that's because okay. of the construction, vibration resistance, and the way that you can mount it any, at any angle, and you weren't right. going to lose any uh, battery juice uh, from the inside. The acid it. won't leak and out. The, right, the yeah. acid won't leak out. And, and all those really heavy duty applications also turned out to be great for race cars and Jeeps and trophy trucks and all that. And you guys were able to take that technology, bring it to the consumer market where it has been a favorite of uh, aftermarket people using batteries for you're awesome. I, I don't need to be here, do I? <laughs> I told yes, you I've had really? some yes, you, you have sent me many a battery in no, my day, so I'm be. returning the favor. Yeah, back, well, in the 80s, when we always sold to the military, just sold all of our production to the military, it was really because of all those things you said. There's no leak leaking acid, nothing to spill on any of their equipment. You could ship it by air without any hazardous or regulations. And in addition to that, what they really like is the stand life. So you, it could sit on the shelf for a year, they could pull it off the shelf and still start their vehicle. So sure. inventory is a big deal to the military. Can we talk about the difference between the construction of a regular lead acid battery, AGM battery, sure. your spiral cell technology? Because I think people know Optum as a premium battery, but they don't know what makes it premium. Right. Back in the day, there was only flooded batteries and then there was an Optima. So there was a big difference between the two. Would you call it flooded? flooded? Flooded. Yeah. Because basically what the general automotive battery was at that time, it's a case with liquid acid in it, and then there are lead plates that are put into this case that are kind of submerged in this bath of acid. And if you tip it upside down, it would leak out. Or during recharge and discharge, it would gas, and you would see stuff building up on the battery. Well, you would see if people don't know how to properly jumpstart their car. You could have the battery gas, and you could it have could a spark, spark and, and it blow would be up. bad. Yeah. Now, my parents' cars, I remember, had the little sight glasses, and you would look in, they would be green if they right. had the right amount of water in yeah. them. Right. And it kind of sort of worked. And yeah, there people, was sort of a maintenance-free era, right. and you could add, but you could still the, pop the caps and add water. It was the Delco I. Yeah, I, I remember that yeah. as a kid as well. Yeah. But anyway, that would tell you if you had, if your electrolyte was at a certain acid level. Okay. Right? And typically that meant if it was charged up or not, which they weren't always super accurate. No, I remember, sort of I remember looking in and seeing green and the car was dead. I couldn't turn <laughs> off. I don't know what this does. Sometimes they didn't work very well. <laughs> right. But anyway, those, ba those plates were sitting in this bath of acid. You could pick up a, an old battery and slosh it around. It were liquid acid in there. You could tip it upside down and pour, be a big pool of acid. Anyway, an absorbed glass mat battery or an Optima battery, AGM, is basically those lead plates with a fibrous mat between them that absorbs 100% of that electrolyte. So even if I was to cut it open, you would have nothing that would leak or spill. You could squeeze that fibrous material and get a little residue on you, but it wasn't, there isn't any free-flowing liquid. 
So does the does the liquid adhere to this fiber? Yes. Okay. It's kind of like a jelly roll. Okay. okay. That's kind of how our Jay's familiar with those. I, I, look at my look at look at this belly right here. I'm very familiar. And then roll, how right? does that how does that compare to like a gel battery? Because that's another thing that okay. people well, talk about. And gel battery is interesting too. And, and a lot of people mistake our product for a gel. For gel, right? Because gel was really kind of made a name for itself as being um, a, a sealed or or a battery with no free flowing acid. But basically, what it is. It's those plates in a bath of acid, and then silica gel added to it, and it gels the electrolyte. Oh, so it's it's the same, it's same just thing. in a gelatin yeah. form. You got it. Okay. It's like Jello gel. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That is I not what you want. Room for you don't jello. want you don't want that <laughs> for a car. Right. So that would be bad. Well, it, it, they 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 cycle well, and they're good in some strange applications yeah. that we're. Not now, very familiar one. Your batteries <laughs> are a little bit different, both yes. in construction. You've got the the spiral cells. Yes. But you also, in the way that batteries charge and discharge, uh, to the point where Optima sort of got a bad reputation for a little while that wasn't wholly owned by you guys, but was because improper use. And you actually went and developed your own battery chargers yes. and battery chargers to not only start the vehicle but trickle chargers and and ways to recover your batteries because your batteries can get deeply discharged and still come back to life in yeah. a lot of ways. Maybe talk about that a little bit because I think sure. there's still some stigma from sure. that period of time. And there is. And you know the the issue is is that you know it's it's a high performance battery. And like a high performance car that comes with some unique characteristics, right? Um, and, if, and if you pay attention to them, you get a wonderful long life out of it. Our battery is pure lead, so it doesn't have any alloys or anything in it to um, any impurities that causes corrosion over a long term. So that's another reason why our battery lasts so long. And oh, so I'm not, not going to see the, uh, the, the green crap on the posts? Typically not. Yeah, okay. it, you should never see that. But uh, having pure lead, the energy flows quickly out and obviously comes back in. So we can, when your vehicle needs power for whatever electronic device it is, we can put out power quickly. And when it needs to be recharged, it recharges quickly. Can I tell you really quick, just uh, I'll take us off to the side sure. here, but we built a 4Runner, 5th Gen 4Runner, when they first came out in uh, 2010 for the Toyota booth at SEMA through four-wheeler. We had one of your batteries on it. And I, I, two things. One, I laugh because everybody who has a fifth gen forerunner today building one thinks they're all the first. And I'm like, yeah, I did that back in 2010, right? For the Toyota booth. We had all these KC lights on it. We had HIDs, we had a bunch of rack lights. And I went out to Death Valley and had all the lights on. And what I didn't realize at the time that the draw was more than the amps that the alternator could yeah, put out. That'll do mm. it. So as I'm driving, I'm watching gauges do weird things and, and flicker and all dimmer. that. But the <laughs> the vehicle was basically running off that Optima battery right. until I realized, oh crap, and then I started to sh start shutting down lights and everything stabilized. But I, I believe that if I didn't have an Optima that could send that power out and take that power, I would have been stranded in the middle of the desert. Without, at night without that question, would, right. yeah. without question. You were better off with the Optima for sure. But anyway, long story short, as the measurement of how that power can be produced and then accepted back in is, internal resistance, right? So the battery with the least internal resistance is the one that can accept power best and, and put out power, right? Anyway, if you have low internal resistance and you leave your light on at night, you leave your headlights on, chances are really good in the morning it's going to deplete all that energy. And when it does, it 
with an Optima, it goes to an extra low voltage, it keeps putting power out till maybe three volts. Instead of like 10 Other car or batteries will stop at like 10, Yeah. right? So most battery chargers on the market are only built to recognize 12 volt batteries at nine volts or higher. Ah. So you discharge an Optima to three volts, you put on a conventional old Sears toaster charger, mm -hmm. right? And now it doesn't and charge. It, and it keeps clicking and people yeah. say, Psh, piece of junk, yeah. warranty Optimus battery, dead, right? right? When in reality, if you put our cool charger on there that recognizes a battery down to one volt. Oh, damn. Yep, it'll charge it right back up and you're good. Over half the batteries we see get returned to us are perfectly good. Now, well, A, there should come with a pamphlet right on the top of the battery or a big giant red thing that says, don't use a standard charger. You can use a standard, that's the thing. Just no, not super only when it gets deeply discharged. But people do that, so how do you prevent right. that? How do you well, say, like, if you leave your, you know, you leave your lights on, your dome light overnight, and you, and you deep cycle the battery, you can bring it to life if you do this. I know so, that's, a, that's a consumer education issue. That is a, just and, a challenge. And we do that as, as much as we can and every yeah. way we can, but that's why I'm here today is to figure that out with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so before I leave, it's your guys' That's charge. right. <laughs> if you guys deep cycle a ba Optima battery, buy their freaking charger, you boneheads. Listen, right I have, I have, have another trick. I have other chargers. I have another trick, though. Okay. You don't have to buy my charger. Oh. And this is a cool Which you should. You, you should. should. <laughs> you should. Everybody should. That's right. the easiest way. But if you have another good 12-volt battery, a battery, any battery with 12 volts in it, and you have your deeply discharged Optima, you set up, uh, put it, uh, jumper in, cables between In parallel, the two. right? In parallel. Yep. Positive, so, positive, yep. negative, negative. 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 Yep. Not in series. Then you can put your old toaster Craftsman charger, oh. hook it up there, and it's faked out because right. that the other 12 volt battery is saying, hey, start up, Mr. Charger. And you can leave it on there for about 20 minutes, then take the jumper cables off, and that toaster charger will charge up your. Could Optima I do that? If that's, I, a, uh, that's a so hack. that's the cheapo. Could I do that, Cam, with a um, like an old uh, like a some cheap like you awesome motorcycle yes. battery or something yes. that had like a, okay good yes anything that's got twelve volts okay because I don't know how many people just have a spare big battery laying around right. I but do. they might a lot have of people don't. but a lot of people might have a motorcycle or side by side battery something like that in the garage I think more people have a spare battery than a motorcycle battery oh, you think? Okay. or their right. daily driver just hook it up there yeah. for a little while okay. just open right. the hood on your wife's car it's all there good you go. don't, just don't tell her right. you're good <laughs> can't drive it today so let's talk about don't the difference between a red top a yellow top a blue top I'm obviously I'm a fan of the line I've used mostly reds and yellows and my preference is yellow for what I do but maybe explain why you should do that or not do that and w what the use case is for each one. Sure, so first we had a red top battery and that battery had the highest CCA possible. It had some unique characteristics like we talked about that holds a charge over a long period of time. It also cycles pretty well compared to conventional batteries. But then we found out that people were really cycling the heck out of them and drawing a lot of power over on vehicles that maybe had electrical accessories that exceeded their alternators output like your previous Whoa. example. And like boaters. <laughs> boaters. Right, boaters, right. Oh. RVs. But anybody who's got an off-road vehicle that puts a winch on. I mean, that yeah. the alternator was Pullman. not designed Pullman. to help that. I, listen, I only own three winches right now, okay? <laughs> on one car. Uh, <laughs> two. Okay. Front, rear, side. But anyway, so we, after we saw people doing that, um, we came out with a battery that, our deep cycle battery, which has 
unique characteristics in itself. It has extremely high cranking power and the ability to be cycled numerous times, up to 300 times, actually more than three. What changes that? Is it the chemistry within the battery? Is it the construction? It's actually the the paste on the lead plates. Oh, really? Is a little more dense. Okay. Huh. And that's as much as I can answer. That seems fair. Oh, that's, so as much as I can, that's as much as I can comprehend. It's, so. it's much it. more resistant yeah. to deep discharges and recharges. Is it patented? That or just proprietary? I don't know, but our our chemistry is proprietary. Because yes. like Coca-Cola, you, you'd be stunned to find we have, out that we have a formula. Coca-Cola syrup is not patented. The reason is because as soon as you patent something, the world Some, finds out what the chemicals copy it, are. Right. Yep. So if you keep it proprietary, exactly. no one will ever know. Yeah, because 10 years the patent expires and then everybody goes, oh, exactly. these are the ingredients. Yep. Well, the spiral cell design used to be patented, was patented for a long time. Yeah, other people are right now. Yeah, there's people so, using that out yeah. there. You have been an incredible supporter of the sport, of motorsports. And I think that's really cool. You're not just a company that's making batteries and placing a bunch of ads out in the marketplace and magazines and saying, hey, Buy this battery because you are you're putting your money where your mouth is by supporting the guys driving the trucks, beating on these batteries. I just want to pay you some some homage, kudos to you for really supporting props enthusiasts. No oh, thanks. I, I mean we do. A that's you. That's your job now. That's well, not an engineer. That's that's what you do. That was your baby, right? Well, but I'm an enthusiast first before I work for Optima, and everybody that works for us are enthusiasts as well. So. Um, and I love everything with wheels. I love everything with a motor, whether it's gas-powered, diesel-powered, or has volts going to it. So anything that makes you go faster. And, and Holman, one more thing that makes him go fast? Yeah. Look down. Look down. Look at his sneaks. His, yeah, he's got some... Look uh, at the coolest... <laughs> got some righteous, uh, righteous kicks. Dude, those shoes are super dope. Now, I've been waiting all day for a compliment. Thank you very much. How, not, how are we the first guys to spot those those crazy kicks? Well, you do have a foot fetish, so that's weird. So No, I do don't. You? I'm not a fan of feet, but well, I do you love shoes. shoes. I do oh, love right. shoes. Yeah, there's, no are, way, there's no way anybody believes cool. that you don't Dude, love feet and shoes together. patent leather right there. It's super gloss. Um, These are they're converse. Black. They're, com- white, they're yeah. white, and the black parts are uh, patent leather. Yeah. And the star is a big stylized converse star with... Uh, with black, shiny, glossy Not a glossy single leather. blemish on those shoes. Those Not are fresh. Yet. Not yet. Some fresh they kicks. I'm waiting for you to say freshy, fresh kicks. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cam Douglas, it's been a pleasure uh, working with you and uh, and knowing you for you know, 20 years or whatever it's been. And, uh, I mean, I've known Lightning just as long, and I, I really appreciate our friendship more. Right on. What a appreciate dick. It. Thank you. <laughs> right in front of his face, you didn't insult me like that. I, I like you both. He likes my shoes. <laughs> I don't know why you I, like me. I like your glasses. It's great. We really appreciate you. I know SEMA is a crazy busy time, but to uh, carve a half hour to come hang out with us uh, knuckleheads here in the Central Hall at the uh, Truck Show Podcast yep. powered by Bakes Booth. Awesome. Appreciate it a lot. Right, Thanks keep, for all keep your doing good the questions. Lord's work. Right on. <laughs> and if you can't do that, keep turning cars on when you turn the key. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Mr. Holman, who is up on deck next? We've got the boys from RK Sport. Who oh, what up, what up, what up? So we got uh, Caesar and we've got Jensen. Yes, sir. What's and, going on, y'all? And these guys are uh, Truck Show Podcast listeners. Well, yes. sorry about that, guys. First time. No, well, I do have to thank you because uh, now I don't have to watch 007. <laughs> oh, he did give it away. Even though, so he did the spoiler alert. I had the spoiler alert yeah. in there. I did let you guys know there was going to be a spoiler alert. And you kept on listening. I kept on listening because 
you know, I mean. Because you had to know. I had to know. I do it with Marvel movies. I do it with basically any movie. I'm like, I don't care. The books Dude, have been written listen, years ago. Do you want me to really ago. disappoint this hall right now? They freaking killed James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> it's wrong. It's dead. wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I was very upset about that. I've since gotten over it. It's 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 water under the bridge, except for when somebody reminds me, like you just did. But see, Way it was a thank you, though. Oh, okay, you know? all right. So, well, what else can you thank us for? I mean, being a longtime listener, what, uh, why do you listen to the truck show? When did you start listening to the truck show? Well, don't uh, try to talk him out of it. It's like why you're almost <laughs> so, insulting him, like he's an idiot. No, for I only listening. insult you. But okay. why? <laughs> um, actually, even you know before uh, truck show podcast big fan of your guys' personal work, you know, being a uh, SoCal uh, native, okay. you know, listening to Yeah, except he, he defected to Whataburger country. Don't be hating on the Whataburger. Now. Oh, no, no. We hate on Whataburger, dude. dude. Here's the deal. Look no. at Jensen stepping dude, up. He's no, going to go to when, when I go to, When I go to Texas now, my land. and there is <laughs> In-N-Out and Whataburger next to each other, no, In-N-Out has no. a line that like triples around the building, wrong, and there's like wrong. a homeless dude peeing in the parking lot at Whataburger. But, okay, okay. Okay. Soda cup. No, no, no. It's 2 o'clock p.m. You're drunk. And then Jack in the box. Get up then on that mic. Jack in the box. That's when Two you go tacos. To it's the best. Okay, so I, I, okay, maybe I haven't been drunk enough because every time I go to Whataburger, I'm I'm ab- I have abject disappointment. I go there, <laughs> I see that you, what you guys do is you're like, we have Texas toast and bacon on a cheeseburger. Best, I'm like, that's dude, right on. I'm in. Fire. The guy Texas, you can't win me over. Dr Pepper Texas toast mixed with some sort of Sounds meat. I'm in. So good. It's amazing. <laughs> I haven't eaten today, so I'm actually thinking of it. Going, I would eat Whataburger right now. Maybe but DoorDash the problem is, you freaking Texans over there, and everybody knows I'm a, an honorary Texan, so I can say this. Who the F word? Why did you sell out? Because Whataburger okay. was amazing, right. and you guys oh. sold yeah. out. Oh, yeah. I had forget about it. And uh, let yeah, me say one last about thing about Whataburger. I think it was too Chicago Every something. single person I've ever talked to from Texas will go, no, Whataburger's better than In-N-Out, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but you sold it, and the quality went down. And every single one goes, yeah, Facts. yeah, you're right. Facts. <laughs> I, so the consistency, yeah, yeah, no. the consistency of In-N-Out is the same Texas. It doesn't Dallas, matter where you go. Or even in Vegas. A hundred percent. But you go to Whataburger over here, to yeah. Whataburger over here. No, no, no. You got to go to that one over no, there. No, that one Forgive makes my ignorance. One. Is Whataburger a franchise? Yes. Okay. In-N-Out actually owns all their stores. All of them. Yeah. It started in Corpus Christi down there, like I think in the 60s. And then it just exploded all out through the south, but it's mainly from Texas, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I, I try, I try. Just like I try with White Castle, and it's just always, I'm just always disappointed. I want I, the pictures. You see, here's the other thing. White Castle. I see a picture of an In-N-Out burger. Actually, it looks like the In-N-Out White burger Castle's that I get from the restaurant. <laughs> I look at a picture from Whataburger, and then I get, we were in Arizona. There's Whataburger. I told Jago, listen, we got to go over here and eat this Whataburger. It looked like you guys made this Texas toast sandwich <laughs> that was about an inch thick because somebody took a steamroller and rolled over the bag before yeah. you handed it to me. Yeah. It, it was disappointing. So, it was disappointing. Anyway, the whole, oh, the whole yeah, point yeah. of this is the SoCal Boys, Caesar, Texas. Yep. Gone. Yeah. Bailed out. Pop he's the, not, he's the not the only one. They're, not, they're, yeah. they're leaving by the millions. Uh, so. Leaving by the millions. Yeah. Let's talk RK Sport, guys. Okay. So I was introduced to somebody way back in the day that put an RK Sport hood on their Chevy truck. and that's. I, but you make so much more. I don't even know where to start. So Correct. What's the history of RK Sport? Because I honestly don't know. Yeah. And then where are you guys today? Uh, in so, Texas. Well, I know that much. <laughs> um, so I've been with the company eight years. Uh, my father-in-law uh, was one of the original mold designers at RK Sport. Um, founder, RK Smith. Uh, you know, stock car racer, 
okay. uh, professional driver, SCCA, IMSA, had a re really good relationship with GM. Basically got to preview the 93 Camaro before it came out. Went to Detroit, then took he a said, look at it. Then he said, your hood sucks. No, he, he <laughs> saw the concept rendering and okay. he's like, why didn't you guys make that? Yeah, right. No, the concept is amazing. And uh, I want to say it was Adam Barry uh, or somebody in G GM design was like, I mean, it can be done. And so he light bulb. Did it. Wow. Okay, let's do it. All the right. rest is history. Like it. And so every year we were given opportunities to do the Pontiac Solstice, the GTO. Oh, wait a minute. So, the th so the, they came to you and actually said, you do it. So this was not an, uh, like a, you did it rogue. You were working with them. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it was before, you know, you had the SEMA vehicle programs. Sure. And, you know, where athletes and sponsored drivers, have, you know, they get invited Dollar everywhere. Dollar car. You know? yeah. and and so, you know, then you get uh, opportunities working with Ford, Dodge, and then you just branch out. You just, what else can can we do? You know, I mean, it was JDM versus domestic vehicles. Yeah. You know, our Cavaliers, we called them the import fighters. You know, we had urethane body kits that rivaled, you know, the Civics, the Integras. Honestly, dude, know. that kit is very, very clean. I really like that one. And, <laughs> and you know, he, he Jensen loves the JDM, Boso Zuko culture. Uh, Bozozoku. <laughs> Wait, say that again? Bozozoku. Okay, which means what? Um, um, tribal gang, basically. Really? It's just a, a bunch of group of gang members, and they would get their cars together or their bikes and just go and terrorize the streets. But it turned yeah. into like more of an art style and, and a culture, like an anime kind of look to the cars. And they would make these handmade body kits out of wood out of bamboo sheet metal aluminum and basically hand fabricate everything on them and turn them into these crazy designs i went from building vehicles in gran turismo to now getting an opportunity to work in a career that uh, i'm doing this in real life gran turismo one i'm og pal OG. 1996. <laughs> yeah, well, see, what? No other video game can say that they go from the gt academy to formula <laughs> yeah right professional race career. true I'm I actually mean, still my favorite. Coming. I love I love Grant. I, I love all GTA day. Well. Although I do have to say that you can build an RK Sport GTO and Solstice and Forza. Oh yeah, what? Yeah. Full body <laughs> kit and everything. Midnight Club has our body kit <laughs> awesome. on there. Nice. Right on. So we have yeah. You know it's 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 been amazing. You know when you do work on original designs and just it's it's subtle. You know it's something that where you're going to ask them what trim line is that from? I I don't see it at any dealership. It's not over the top, it's not, but it's, there's, there's something that even OEMs will walk by and say, that's not OEM. It's different yeah. and tasteful. Yes. You know, like uh, Daily's, Daily Visual, this yeah. Tundra hood. You know, we put vehicles on uh, Jeremy at Icon. Uh, we did the wide body Tacoma, we did the Ranger. I need a new hood for my 42 GPW. It's got a bunch of holes and rust Say no in to it. him. No, you don't want to be part <laughs> of that project. <laughs> and, you know, it's, we work on mass production and you know uh jensen is is from texas he you know we, we when we moved to texas we started from the ground up only three employees wow. made the what? migration yep. that was it no so, one wanted to leave or you just wanted to clean house and start fresh clean well slate. you know uh you know um everybody's very tight-knit family yeah you know it's hard to uplift your family during a pandemic to yeah a, an entirely new state that's and it we're moving yeah married no kids Make, it, it's an easy move. Not only that, but I love, you know, what I do. I, and I've grown up, you know, in, in, in the culture. 
and being able to see the behind the scenes. You know, I, I you know, I'm a, uh, love watching documentaries to see how it's made and this and that. Oh, yeah, that, those are the best. To watch the process, and then not only that, but you know, Jensen, this is his first time at SEMA, and he can point out all our vehicles, our, our, all our hoods on all these vehicles. He's like, dude, this is crazy because they're working on these. They're seeing the raw product yeah. every day. They don't see it finished on a yeah. SEMA vehicle. Yeah. Done. It's, it's really awesome. I mean, I've probably seen at least 20 vehicles with our products on them. So and that's not even including like hoods. Like I've seen lips, spoilers. You guys are doing made in the USA. Yes. yes. Hand laid. Yep. Hand laid. Composite and carbon fiber. Correct. Real yep. hand laid carbon fiber. Yes. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible 100% so man I have so many questions first off is what are the popular applications that we should be talking about for trucks and then B how do we know good carbon fiber from bad carbon fiber so first thing is tell, let's talk about applications okay um, Ford is our strongest brand um, can't make those fast enough uh, and we talked about it before you got parts? on the mic that was kind of interesting yeah is you guys saw the uptick in the trucks surpassing cars yes in sales and then your truck product line took off and my point to you was do you think it's because Mopar Ram had some pretty awesome hoods on their sport and the GM and Ford guys were like wait my buddy with the Hemi has a really cool sport hood and there's nothing like that for mine yeah and you were saying yeah that that definitely that influence of other manufacturers pushing the industry and basically helped you guys out to come up with these product lines that were missing from these other brands. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's providing solutions, not only for uh, consumer vehicles, but even on the private label side, we have a lot of private label. And so we partner with companies such as uh, Whipple. Their blowers are, they can't clear Corvettes, they're, they can't clear Camaros. Yep. So we made a Whipple supercharger hood. You know we what? Made, you need to make Jay a hood because his... It's funny. Dustin was just here <laughs> yeah. a little bit ago. Oh, yeah. nice. You, you have a wiener cut out on lockjaw <laughs> instead of a proper hood it on it. It is a wiener. So it's erect when the hood's up. There's yeah. no question about that. Uh, our friend Jordan uh, Mobauer took a picture and pointed that out to me. So, well, yeah. so Dustin Whipple sent me a photograph and said, we should have got a sponsor by Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, said, I said, why? Whenever it's up, it's erect. He doesn't need your Project help. Blue Pill. Yeah, exactly. He thought it was funny. He's got a great sense of humor, but... Yeah. That's fun. That's cool that you work with them because you, you're solving a you're solving a problem. Like, yeah, if the guy won't buy the blower if he can't pass it through the hood. Exactly. And so now it, it, it becomes you know uh, an exclusive pair. Not only that, but we make functional rammer hoods. So it was working with other aftermarket companies that would provide a solution on top of you know people that just have a factory hood. Well, now fiberglass naturally dissipates heat. Not only that, but the rammer actually. You know, uh, sense cold air, cold air intake, yeah, fully functional. So, are you doing anything with the Jeeps? Because the Jeeps have all sorts that's, of issues. Oh yeah, that's one of their strongest problems. Oh my of god, Jeep hoods I, what? What were they? The Jeep designed such an amazing truck with the JL and the Gladiator, but when it came to the hood and the, and the induction, they it f- major fail. No, no, yes. no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. The issue, well, no. Explain. I'm trying. <laughs> The issue is that the Jeep has a very small engine compartment because the nose narrows at the front versus having fenders that go straight out. So it already has a smaller compartment and you put the diesel in there in the turbo and there's not a lot of room. The hood that comes on it is functional as are the fender vents on the side, but there's plastic trays that keep water from dripping on top of the electronics and things like that. So you have a couple choices. You can go with an RK hood that has the holes moved in different places so it's not raining on your electronics and you can still let out heat or you can drill holes but then the you know I have a picture of mine with in the snow right people are like 
those hoods aren't functional yeah. and I have snow and right where my hood vents are two like melted areas yep. so they but they're not because the plastic trays they don't let out a lot of heat you have to open them up yeah I was talking more for induction because where hood, there's no hole when you seal the hood on a on a, on a eco you diesel don't, you, trail. Don't, you don't want induction on a Jeep what because you want you have a, a requirement for fording ability 30 30 whatever inches so it's pulling up high it doesn't have you know, uh, element open to the air because you're dealing with mud and water. Okay. So it's very protected. That's where the restriction comes. When you look at, open the hood of an eco diesel, guys, and look at where the air intake inlet is. Mm. It 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 seals against the hood and then struggles to breathe. Suffocating. I think that they. I'd love to. We do need to speak to someone from Jeep about this because. Yeah. And I could be way off base, but when you close, hold on a second. <laughs> when you close the the hood, it seals against the inlet, and there's no other inlet that I can find on the air box to draw in air. Mm. I know that when our friend Corey Willis had one on a dyno, he lifts the hood and he gains 30 horsepower. He closed the hood and, he, and 30 horsepower goes away. It struggles. So I'd be very curious, you could solve that issue with a new hood on, the, on the eco diesel. Oh yeah. Well, I, you know, Jeep, Jeep hoods are very popular. Uh, our JK hoods uh, do very well. Um, and then our JL hoods do amazing on the Gladiator as well as the, the, uh, the four door, the two door. Um, and they are ram air. They do have heat extraction, especially when you're throwing a rip supercharger. Everybody would reach out to us and say, I, we got to do something yeah. about this. It's a, it's a really small engine compartment. It is. It's not made for power. It's made for fording water and going through mud and things like that. So it doesn't have an open, it, it doesn't have a huge open area. Like it, and it, it's just well, the it looks nature like of It looks like it was designed to have a snorkel coming out the side. And it then does. They, well, look at mine. I actually do have a snorkel coming I, out the side. And so yours solves that, your solves that problem. On the Eco Diesel, specifically to that one, where you need a lot of air. That, that, that engine moves a lot of air. It does not have an opening on the side. It looks like it was designed to have a which, cutout. Which is the reason, one of the reasons that it doesn't have the same uh, tow rating as you might expect. And the power levels is all thermal, 100% uh, thermal management and airflow. Okay. Jeep will even tell you that. Yeah. And, and there, and you know, we we did do a lot of R and D with uh, intake and in, you know aftermarket intake and cold air intake companies such as Volant. We developed a, an, an adapter that goes. Uh, you remove the top air box and it seals with our rammer hood. Oh, cool. So uh, that that was very cool. Are your to hoods see. two piece? So is it an outer shell and a low and a bottom shell? Correct. Correct. So that you can you can take air through and then funnel it to wherever you want. Yes. Oh, in that interesting. Case. And good for insulation as well. Insulation and water management. So as you mentioned, you know you're washing your car out in the rain, even snow. So it's you've not, got ports where it drains out yep. the side. Oh, brilliant. You got yep. weep holes. Brilliant. Okay. Now let's move on to uh, again carbon fiber. I, there's so much junk on the market, but I don't know that. I even would know good from bad because it looks question. pretty, right? Yeah. But I know there's a lot of subtleties. Jensen, can you speak to that? Um, I one, wanted him to answer that. Um, yeah. <laughs> one thing I can. Well, what does he know? He likes Whataburger. One thing you can really tell is the gel coat that they use and how they finished it and whatnot. Sometimes these molds that they make, they pop off the carbon, and there's just wax that's left in there from them popping it off, and then you can kind of see it on the carbon. And then what I've noticed is that with bad gel coat and bad clear coat, you can really see that in the gel coat, like tiny little spots or like scratches. And no, but does the gel coat affect the the durability of the, the weave, the material, the whole piece? Like how much is the carbon fiber versus, how do I want to ask this? You're looking for like the weave finish. Well, I the, just don't know. Like for example, what's the weakest part in the in that piece? And whether it's a lip spoiler, where it's a splitter, or it's a hood made out of carbon fiber, 
is it the carbon fiber and where I bought the carbon yeah. fiber is it, from? Is it the material? Or is it, is it yeah. the epoxy? Is it the is workmanship? It the, you know, like, where's the, the failure? Resin. What should I be looking for? How um, do I tell? I'm a dumbass. And, and also, if you're looking at it, there's some that, that you can see the weave isn't straight, right? Yeah. Like, it looks like crap, basically. And you, you can look at a high-quality piece, and it's, like, perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been stretched over the yeah. area. So, like, let's say, like, you have a body line going in an angle and whatnot. Sometimes when they lay it up, they stretch it. Okay. And once it's stretched, you, you can't, can't go, go back. back. No, you can't go back. And then, so how would from you there, do you it? You got to restart. You, how would you do it? You do it without stretching and then use extra piece, or how's that? Work? Um, I've never laid carbon fiber before. It's one time thing, dude. Like, that's it. <laughs> it's a single sheet, so it, it it I mean, it takes years to perfect. Yeah. It. And hand, there, there, are, there are multiple ways of doing carbon fiber. You know, you're seeing the huge popularity in forged carbon. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, th- there's vacuum. We do wet layup. Um, there's advantages. What, what, in di- I'm sorry. Wet layup just means before there's gel? I, I don't know. What yeah. You so you, you, you take the sheet of fiberglass and you're soaking, you're, you're pouring the, re- the, the resin and into the, the carbon fiber. So you're letting it basically essentially letting that carbon fiber float. So you get, you get it really saturated. And then the gel coat is actually applied onto the mold itself. So that becomes your sanding clear gel coat that is that top finish. But when you, but between the gel coat is the carbon fiber and then the resin. And basically once that hardens and, and, and cures, then you'll be able to notice, uh, you're able to hand lay it and massage that carbon fiber into the part better. Vacuum is a whole different process where it requires a different way of making a mold. And that one is basically sucking all the resin out of that, uh, out, out of the mold itself. And again, there's pros and cons to it because vacuum is, it makes the part much stronger, but you also aesthetically notice a huge difference between carbon fiber that's vacuumed uh, or pre-preg and hand laid. Hand laid, you have this nice 3D texture. You, you hit the light or against the sun. And it's almost like, I, I say the carbon's dancing. Yeah. Right. There's depth. You can see yeah. the weaves, you know, Is there a difference in strength? There is, there is. So we we hand lay our carbon fiber for aesthetic purposes. Yeah. Uh, our fiberglass hoods and our carbon fiber hoods weigh the same because they're structural. They are OEM replacements. They have so you're not opening latches. this flimsy hood that needs hood no. pins or something like Correct. that. You can yeah. bolt on the the latch mechanism and yep. all that, and it's going to operate and feel like a normal hood. Yeah. OEM fitment. Um, and so ours is more for aesthetics. Um, so when I'm at like Long Beach Grand Prix and I'm looking at the IMSA cars and stuff, yep. that carbon fiber is as flat as this desk. Yep. It's very flat. It looks like someone took like a thousand grit sandpaper and went over it. It's just very flat and very boring. Yeah. But you're saying that is probably a vacuum form? Yeah, vacuum okay. form. Yep. Okay. And, it, and it's strong. It's structural. It's super light. Um, but it'll you'll visibly notice that it's a, it, it's a lot different. There's There's no way to make it look better. Okay. Um, and you'll and that that's where you'll notice the no I I, I refer so it to it as like cellulitis it, on carbon fiber. Right? <laughs> so if you're gonna paint it, yeah, it doesn't matter what it looks like ultimately. Ultimately, right? yeah. It, it, and, it, and most of your who's well, painting carbon fiber? What's wrong people, with you people? No, a lot of people do. A lot of people oh. like they, it's because they need a cover up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, or you do a ghost paint. Yeah. You know? Sure. Um, but I'd love to show off some carbon. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, and we also use a combination. So uh, when you're mass, you know, mass manufacturing, we offer three different finishes, full fiberglass, a carbon blister. So that's 50% of that hood is hand laid in carbon fiber and the rest is actual gray gel coat. It's both, it, but it, 
saves the painter and the the customer time and money on having to prep an entire carbon fiber hood. Ah. So now it's 50-50. And it, I mean, it looks amazing. You have nice carbon fiber accents. Um, and again, it's just enough to notice the difference. You don't need to go over the top. Um, you know, or unless you're going for that JDM look, you can go full carbon. Where do I have to go to an authorized retailer? Can I buy at rksport.com? Uh, Where we am I? We sell direct and we have a very active uh, large dealer network. You can go through Summit Racing, American Muscle, um, down to, you know, your mom and pop in, 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 um, family owned companies. Uh, we set up dealers all over the United States. Um, you know, our big thing is you can buy the you can buy the product directly from us, or we also want to push small businesses and say not only can you purchase our product from them, but you can get it painted, you can do wheels, tires, suspension. So we you, we want to support the the B two B network. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, you All know, right. it's you know like uh, in the tech world, you have okay. you can buy uh, Apple iPhone directly from Apple. Right. You're going to go to Costco, Best Buy, Target for the best sure. deal. So. Uh, one more question. Uh, uh, real quick, uh, Jordan Mulbauer just brought me. Ice. A cup of ice, but it's a it's a metal valvoline cup. I don't know where he found it. That's an expensive uh, solo cup right I, there. I haven't nice. had Dr. Pepper in four days, and oh, the no. ones we have here are like lukewarm underneath the counter. And this is gonna be. I just everyone who's listening, I need you to know, I haven't had caffeine, lots of tequila, but and beer, but <laughs> but not caffeine. This is the first Dr. Pepper I've had in four days. Let's hear it. Ooh, that sounded nice. So well, now I know that Jordan loves Holman by the way, more than is, Jordan loves Lightning. This because is Jensen. I'm I, just as wait, parched, and there's Jensen's no, from Dr. Uh, uh, Jensen's from Texas. I thought you Texas. were Holman. <laughs> <laughs> you heard him in the elevator, didn't you? Yep. Jensen is from Texas, and I've uh, offended him. Get that with barbecue burger, Dr. Hold Pepper on. sauce. Hold on. Now we're going to make up with the Dr. Pepper. Yeah, I see you pouring that. I'm going to punch you out good. and just drink it. It's the nectar of I'm going to sit on your dead carcass and drink that. Yeah. <laughs> come, come get it, buddy. Oh, God damn it. I, uh, I'll fight you over Leave. It. Hey, do you know how hard it is to find ice in a place that's right? You found, you not only found ice, you found it in a metal, in a metal cup, cup. Where dude? did you get a metal cup? Valvoline, For obviously. Yeah. I might have yeah. a cup on that. Yeah, well, this is, you know, nice. funny it says Valvoline because Dr. Pepper's my motor oil. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't even together. know what I was going to ask you guys. Um, so thanks for coming. No, no. <laughs> I was going to ask all, of, of all the parts um, that RK Sport makes, what is the one that's most trick for, for trucks that is unique to you and you're like really proud, like, hey, I can't Every believe- one of their hoods? No, 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 no. But like one of them was like, I can't believe we pulled this off because it, it was a pain in the ass. Um, Maybe the 7,000 hoods that we do. The, the Super Duty hoods? Yeah. Um, I really like those. The and Super how, Duty hood. And so. how's that one unique? I don't so. like to finish them, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're massive? Or yeah. So then don't, are, don't so buy those. <laughs> it, it's a two-parter. Um, when we did our dollar vehicle pro, uh, F-150 for Ford, it, it was a lowered street truck. So that means Ford gave you guys the truck for buck, just for those who don't know. Correct. What yeah, for, um, for those that are in deep with the manufacturer, they'll hook you up with a vehicle if they know you're going to show it and, and, yeah. and, and live up to some obligations and getting it some publicity. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we you know, put the rendering together, concept drawing, and we did a lower chin spoiler, uh, rear roll pan, carbon fiber, carbon rockers, uh, a V2 hood, a different design from our first rammer hood. And I just really honestly wasn't sure how, you know, where a lowered street truck would fit in you know, truck, lifted trucks everywhere at the SEMA show. That's the best part, because now you got one that stands out. Yeah, and so that splitter alone, that chin spoiler, 
whatever you want to call it, front balance, whatever, you know, it's been called everything. Front lip. We just can't make those fast enough. Um, Did not think that they would just take off the way it did. And so we, again, we we rarely go back generations. So we made one for the 13th gen F-150 and now we're getting more inquiries for the previous gens. And then circling back to the Super Duty. So the 12 to 16 Super Duty has, you know, it's been out four years and had no interest in doing any heavy duty hoods that or the f-150 v2 style hood that we have yeah seal. Um, sell those so the Crazy. 2015 f-150 came out you know aluminum body uh aluminum hood we we killed it on the design did really really well and then the aluminum duty came out the 2017 f-250 same cab same body lines i'm like it's a no-brainer it's gonna sell like crazy but let's go ahead and do the 20 uh 2012 to 2016 because who knows those sold I, like neck and neck. I mean, really, they sell like crazy. I'm like, this is insane. The truck that's been out for four years, yeah. and all of a sudden, it, they they're they're wanted everywhere. I mean, if you do walk the floor, you'll see a lot of uh, F250 hoods with our hood on it. But the 20, the 12 to 16, everyone is 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 wanting them, and we had no idea that that would take off the way it did. And it's also a pain because of how we designed it. <laughs> It, you know, such a I, I hear hood. V3 is coming soon. <laughs> and not only that, but, you know, for, for shorter drivers who do need those phone books, I mean, it's a, it's a three-inch cow that erases wow. six inches of visibility on that front end. So, <laughs> you know, you know, heads up when, when you do throw a, a <laughs> rammer hood. I've, yeah. had, I've had a few, like, emails You're like, like oh, hey, I can't see my three-year-old the, anymore. You know, I love my hood, but I just I, I have to, like, hop over and see if there's a car it's in front for, of me. Good yeah. for tall people. Well, yeah. dude, congrats on your success, and thank you, uh, thank you for uh, supporting the show and listening. Absolutely, no, I, you know, super excited. You know, when we saw saw the Facebook, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> lining it. up. Yeah, yeah, and awesome. uh, thank you guys. Always putting out great content, highlighting. It's questionable, but okay. Uh, well, yeah. the guests like you are good. It's uh, we're, we're the bad. weak link. We're the weak link here. Completely. You know, it's 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 the Rorys, it's the Sarahs, the Teresas, yeah. the Jeremys, the Marks, and you know that that Our keep people. the interesting, you know, uh, community. You know, and then you know, again, going back to uh, brought three employees that, that are been to SEMA for the first time and just introducing them to my you know, And so, our Jensen, world. what do you think of SEMA? Oh, it's this has been crazy, man. I've never been to a car event like this. And this ever. is a slow year by comparison. Yeah, and, That's what I told and from them. what Caesar was telling me, like, there's like 46% of the of the venues that are not here for yeah, there's last that, there's year. There's at least like, a third uh, that's missing, but still, that crazy, crazy show. Like, oh, yeah. So I've as a first-timer, you're probably like seeing the show going, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. And we're sure. going, like, I've never we're seen We're going, like, you have no idea. So many he venues. didn't believe me when I told him, download the app because you're going yeah. to get lost. Yeah. They, okay. they said uh, when I first started. How uh, many times have I been calling you? Where, where, where are you, you at? at? Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm right next to the C10. Yeah, which yeah, one? Which one? <laughs> the, the, the white one. So when I started coming to SEMA 20 years ago, this is my 20th or 20th year, uh, 20th or 21st year, um, they said if you walked every aisle at the show, you would walk 26 miles. So there you have it. That's, right, why, guys. that's why we eat and drink so much at night. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, we earned it. Yeah, unlike Vegas, normally. Baby. Like, like in comparison, Ford Out Front didn't exist you know, yeah. when the SEMA show was hitting in the, uh, the yeah. Las Vegas Convention Center. That was regular parking. And yeah, now right, it's just, right. Yeah. It's it's now the gold lot is a giant hall. <laughs> yes, it is. All right. Well, thank you guys from thank RK Sports for stopping by. And congratulations again. Thank you so much. Holman, I feel like we've been uh, trying to track down this gentleman and his counterpart forever, maybe since day one of the Truck Show Podcast. Yeah, I think uh, on our uh, list of heavy hitters that we wanted to uh, have on the Truck Show Podcast, LaVon Miller was high on the list. And I think I even uh, DM'd you a couple times. I think I uh, sent you in. 
And um, he just ignored him. He totally ignored him. <laughs> totally yeah, just, <laughs> just ghosted me. It's like, yeah, who's yeah. this Sean guy? I'm like, I'm like, hey, remember that time you came out to Diesel Power Challenge and then you won it? That was like really cool for your business. Like, you want to come on my podcast for half an hour? Nothing. Nothing. Just <laughs> Nothing. ghost. Just ghost. <laughs> well, today's your lucky day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, so here with Kyle from Hotshot Secrets. Right? That's right. That's All right, right. So, first off, we've got to figure out. I, I want to explain. So, Kyle, you're from Hotshot Secret. I am. And then Levon, you're Mister. I win every race that I enter. Guy. Firepunk Diesel. Right. <laughs> yes. And so, how did you guys sync up? And we're going to get into the product and what it does and what it's for and why you use it and all that stuff. But we need a little bit of background. So, first, let's jump into. I guess we should talk to Levon and then Kyle. Sure. Well, Kyle, we. We met because uh, he called the shop and he saw we had an in-house chassis dyno and they wanted to use it. So normally when, you know, a lubricity company calls and wants to use the dyno, I say, okay, you know, it's $150 an hour, come on down and you can test it and get your information and go on your way. And uh, when Hot Shots showed up, they showed up with, uh, it was two guys and a box full of product (laughs) and no vehicle. And which is very different. Well, that's so, really hard to run on the dyno. Right. Uh. <laughs> but uh, that was their sales pitch is like, you know, we want to pay you to put your vehicle on the dyno and you tell us if this product yields any results. And, and you're a guy that is uh, no stranger to engines at their limit. And correct. you're very particular, because I know from all the way back from Diesel Power Challenge and talking to you as a shop owner, you're very particular about any of the additives or or fluids or oils that you put in your vehicle. You kind of have a, a pretty strict regimen of what you believe in and what's been there for you. And you're you're not a guy who's trying everything new all the time. Right. I mean, if you have an engine you pour thousands of dollars into, you're not going to just pour any fluid in it and sure. be like, oh, let's give it a whirl. And you're like, oh, well, you that's does like beaver piss or something <laughs> like that right. like from the middle of uh, the woods. Right. You really don't want to wait until you have a spun main bearing to figure out that this, <laughs> is, this is not a product we're talking about. But sure. that was that was really the what how we met Kyle was that day. So, Kyle, what makes you such a good marketeer? <laughs> Finding Levon. <laughs> <laughs> he was your diamond. <laughs> yeah, well, in reality, the funny part is, uh, you know, we've been in this lubricant game for a long time, and uh, we started off in the diesel world and over-the-road trucking stuff, and we decided that really to prove our product, we need to take it into the performance side of things. Our, our daily drivers are the ones that pay our bills, but uh, the racetrack's where we can really test and prove our products, and we didn't know... Firepunk Diesel from anybody else. Little we know they're an hour from us, so it just organically started, like like Levon said, with that first test, and uh, we were just looking for data. And so, what was the first test? First test was with our FR3 friction reducer, which is our oil additive, and which is what surprised these guys so much. And they, we 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 laugh about it now, how far our relationship has come. But that day, you know, we were just another snake oil company coming down there, and. Um, and that's why you said we, it, not me. I know. I, I'm not. I'm not scared of that word. I we put our well, data out there. Yeah. So there, there are companies. Unfortunately, I've been through one of them. I won't say a name, but I I walked through their quote unquote lab, and I really I left and I talked to my. We went to In and Out afterwards, and I go. I feel like we just got scammed. Like that was not a real lab. There were guys in coats. It was just all for us, for all for show. Like right. I don't think there's any data going on there. Right. And we weren't allowed to see the vats of of oil Goop. and additives and what they were doing. So and that stuff. really was beaver piss. It, it might have been. Like it was just a lot of, like you said, hocus pocus well, uh, going the on. The most important thing that we, we like to do is is make sure everything's third party. We like to get it out of our hands because 
you know, then you have the separation from it. So, so to are have, you using like Southwest Research, that type of thing, or, or are you having that, that third throughout, party? Oh, third, yeah, we're not using that company, but we have a third party outside lab that does all our oil analysis for us. When okay. we're doing any type of product comparison or marketing claims, we do have inside lab that does all our oil analysis, but we use that for more quality control inside. Okay. So that way we, when we make a marketing claim, it can be backed by fact and somebody outside of our company. And that's really where we were, when we first approached Firepunk, we wanted to use their trucks. Like we don't want to have a thumb on the scale at all. Let's, they, we know they've got these things dialed into the T and let's see if we can make a gain with it. And that first product is just an oil additive. So we didn't do anything but uh, pull pull on the dyno. I, I think, what you guys do, five, six poles? And yeah, I did. I wanted to get five poles within five minutes that were all consistent. And it took, uh, you know, on a newer truck, this was a 2016 that had sure. 20,000 20, miles. I had to rescale the ECM to make sure all the air densities were all yep, the same. Yep. And that way I'm getting, and I've got it down to where I had five poles within five minutes within 2.3 horsepower. So then we added the FR3 oil treatment, let the truck idle for 20 minutes on the dyno, and then did the same test, five poles within five minutes. And it was a significant gain in horsepower. What was it? It was 12 horsepower, I believe. It went from 505 to like 517. Or 12 I, horsepower with a lubricant. Right. In your oil. Like, that's why I looked at my brother. I'm yeah. like, I literally poured yeah, something in What's wrong with our dyno? <laughs> so that was, uh, and that was... And the percentage 20. generally hills too, so right. it, you three to five percent uh, horsepower gain on that. So then we started pulling out different trucks. Everybody wanted to see if this is true here. So, and if you've ever been to Firepunk Diesel, there's a lot of trucks in that lot. There. Right. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so that they're was, not all Rams. Hot shots for you. Hot shots for you. Hot shots for you. <laughs> they are all, all pretty Rams. much Ram. Yeah. Ram, Ram Rams. Yeah. We should give a little backstory for those that don't follow Firepunk. So, most famously, if you if you go Firepunk like Dino Explosion or whatever, yeah. I mean, you've That's blown a good up. One. You've Spectacularly scattered parts, right? Yeah. You've painted your walls of your, of the dyno with with parts, not that, purposely. Not purposely. <laughs> not purposely. You had a story about that day. That day on the dyno that epically went viral was a <laughs> turning point in Hotshot Secret life. Really? That was the day we were first putting. So let me let me <laughs> get off the back of the FR3 testing. That launched us into these guys telling us, "Hey, you guys need to get into performance. You really have something here." That led them into, we developed a, a racing oil, our full line of adrenaline racing oil. Then he said, I need gear oil, I need transmission fluid. So within a year or two, we had developed a full line of racing uh, fluid products. The very first day of testing, I'm, I posted on Hotshot Secret social media, hitting the dyno with our prototype engine, you know, racing oil. Uh -oh. I put the banners up in the background. If you go back and look at that video, you'll see a Hot Shots banner in the background. Oh, man. And that morning, the first, right at the beginning. Boom! Turned a bunch of money into a bunch of shrapnel. That, oh. was, was, that engine was billet, wasn't it? No, that it was wasn't. a cast Cummins block. Oh, it was, okay. But it was a deck plate motor. And but it failed down at the mains, and you know it had three seasons of abuse on it, and yeah. it was just that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. You know what's back. funny is he did that, and he was still able to pull a five thousand pound trailer out of the shop. It was amazing right. how durable those Cummins are. Now, so Levon, tell us how did you get started? You were an individual, uh, a shop owner, and then you got into racing, and then you're you're going out at like Diesel Power Challenge, and then UCC and stuff like that, and winning, and that's a, the, a multi part event where it's 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 pulling it's race it's all these things like what attracted you to it i just i'm curious we've wanted to talk to you for so long i, I guess we're gonna have to do another segment on you <laughs> later yeah. over the phone and then 
we won't it won't happen because you'll ditch our call. Right. But um, <laughs> at least at least we know up front. Right, right, right. See, but he, how did how did it, it the start? girl said we were ugly and we just have to be okay yeah, with that? Yeah. What? How did you get into it? And why Ram? Why Cummins? Well, I bought a truck originally because out of high school I wanted to set myself apart. I wanted to be able to do something in a line of work that was not just the mundane job, something that I could enjoy. And I was always artistic as a child, kid growing up. I loved to draw and stuff like that. And I saw a product called Fleximent that where you do faux stone, you could do vertical stamping, you do waterfall, stuff like that. So it's not Flexi Seal with uh no. No, 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 this isn't no, the same stuff you no. put in your screen door. That's a lot of damage! Then you that put guy? in your screen door robo. <laughs> right. So I, I did some training with that, and then I started doing this the concrete business, and because of that, I needed a truck. And I my dad had bought a Dodge Ram for the farm, and obviously liked the truck, and so I bought another one. He had a 2000, and I bought a 2001. And, being and a you night- immediately raced him. Immediately. immediately. <laughs> All the way home from North Carolina. Um, but, yeah, that was kind of being a 19-year-old, you know, you have to add horsepower because you buy a truck and then you're like, oh, wow, this says it adds 120 horsepower. What would that be? So you uh, add 120 horsepower and then you add injectors and then you add a turbo. Oh, yeah, you, you, you just dominoes start falling. Then you blow a head gasket. Then you figure mm-hmm. out how to blow head, fix the head yep. gasket quickly because you need your truck for work. <laughs> and then you break the transmission. You know, it's, it's this domino effect. So that's how I started. And I was always, I grew up on a farm in Plain City and rural country, and I didn't know anything really about Dodge trucks specifically, but I took a general interest in it. And when you take a general interest in it, you read forums. Yep. You, that was before Facebook and everything. Uh, so it was Competition Diesel and Cummins Forum, and you educated yourself. And that's really how I got started in it. And long story short, housing market kind of collapsed in... 08, 09, and my concrete jobs dwindled as my helping my friends fix their trucks in wintertime and rainy days increased. And so I kind of made a transition from a concrete business to a diesel performance repair, diesel repair business uh, without really a business plan. It was just kind of hobby turned business. And what was it called? It wasn't Firepunk back then, because that's your team name, correct? Well, yeah, Firepunk was actually coined by a friend of mine, Brandon Miller. That was his uh, screen name going up through through college. And he started Firepunk.com just as a website to host pictures and videos of his truck builds that he did. And he had a a 99 Ram that he had twin-turboed, and and he... he uh, signed us up to where we could log in and upload our pictures on there and, and use it as a picture host instead of using Photo Bucket, basically. So from 2004 to 2009, we all had little firepunk.com stickers on our truck and became known as the Firepunk Kids. And there so you go. That's, ah. that's how Firepunk History, came about. History uh, was gotcha. made. Yeah. So, Kyle, let's go back to the FR3. Yep. Before meeting LeVon, and you know, you're a guy that has, you know, magic elixir and little bottles that you put in <laughs> engines or something like that. Right. Um, what's your background? Was that your first product? And then were you going to lots of different shops? How did it come to be? And, and how did you stumble on this formulation? Are you a, uh, the, a wizardry of chemical engineering or dot, dot, dot? You have 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, let's take the me out of it. I had right. nothing to do with okay, that. Okay, perfect. Chris Cabrell checked our founder and owner. Uh, is a tribologist, and he's the one that a got... A tribologist? Tribologist. That is the biggest word ever used on the Truck Show podcast. <laughs> I, do I get, like, bonus points? Then? Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. Sweet, sweet. <laughs> so he actually is a guy that... That's basically the study of two metal surfaces, you know, trying to re- reduce the friction between them. And 
and, uh, and reducing micro-welding. <laughs> exactly. So he was a really just a, a one-man show. He had six kids in a little town in Mount Gilead, Ohio, and he would go around to different uh, big industry uh, factories and try to figure out if they could come up with the grease to reduce the bearing change in a machine and save him $100,000. He was a problem well, solver. He's a problem solver. And to this day, that's what he is. So what really got this into automotive and birthed the brand was when Ford released the six liters. And the 6.0 and the 7.3 Huey injectors yep. were having... Uh, Stiction issues. Yep. They, they, they These fuel injectors they were having a problem with, International and Ford are suing each other. Yep. Um, and they were reaching out to the Tribology community, trying to figure out the solution. Oh, interesting. And Chris, little old Chris in Mount Gilead, Ohio, came up with the solution and spent two years developing the product, submitted it to Ford. Uh, Ford tested it. It fixed the problem nine out of ten times. And he was made. He thought... Man, I, I hit I hit it rich and yeah. Ford's gonna buy everything from yep, that. and then Ford stopped making the six <laughs> So poor Chris is left with a great product, and he said, you know, there's millions of these trucks already out there. So I'm gonna try to go to market with this, and he he hustled. He was a hustler. He he would stalk diesel pumps at you know truck stops and tell people about this great product. And uh, I'll give you the the background of the name, like Firepunk name, the hotshot secret name. A lot of people still don't know. This is back during Katrina, when FEMA was running all the FEMA trailers yeah. down. Yeah. And so all those hot shotters, that was the 6.0 days. They were all 6.0s. Uh. So they were having problems, and he decided this brilliant name for this product was going to be the Hot Shot Secret Got to it. keep them on the road. Got it. And so the original product was called Hot Shot Secret. We later turned the brand name into Hot, hot Shot Secret, secret yeah. and the product became Stiction Eliminator. Okay. And that's what birthed him into the automotive industry after that. I feel much more comfortable with you now after hearing that story. It sounds almost <laughs> legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we've always remained a problem solving company. So yeah. uh, Chris will never let anything out the door that is a commodity product. And we're not going to make any brake fluid or anything. Yeah, yeah. So if we can't prove with science. Don't say that yet. And if you solve a problem. Yeah. He, okay, maybe Breakthrough's got a future I don't know about. Dot five point one, two, three, four, or five. So we're always we're always looking for industry problems and finding solutions for it. Um, and, and really, we we're the, we're the type of company that likes to put our science out there and back it and partner up with companies like this to to be able to show what our products can do. Where can you find the science of the product? So if somebody's listening to the show right now and they're like, huh, okay snake oil and then they go oh I actually find these guys credible and I know Levon I know what Levon's all about I want to see the science and the data for myself and they want to go check it is it on the website is it sure easy you to can go to our website hotshotsecret.com uh, the product pages have uh, we have white papers listed uh, a lot of our product testing uh, you can find all the data there if you have something that you have a question about call us we, we, we answer questions we like to have an open book we don't hide what we put in our products uh, it, it, it allows us to advance the industry quite a bit. We put all of our virgin oil analysis out there so everybody knows what's in it. We're pretty confident nobody can really steal what we're doing because in in the formulation of oils and additives, we're all kind of shopping from the same ca chemical catalog. Right. Your base oils and things like that are right. sort of the now, same Now where supply. we have a unique angle and what has allowed us to grow so, so much is that we have uh, a couple patents based on how we can keep certain elements in solution. There's a lot of big com oil companies out there that can can look what we're doing. I can give them the ingredients, if you will, but they don't know how to well, bake it. Well, they can't it. bake the cake. Exactly. Right. You got they it. They don't know what, what point the... Uh, 
icing shouldn't be in the cake batter, right. for instance, right? You got it. All right. Exactly. I love food references. Yeah. <laughs> or luckily, it didn't come back to barbecue. <laughs> no, it could. It could it always come. It's always come back to barbecue yeah, with home and And Levon, how are you using the products? I mean, are, is it just the... Currently, we're now using it in almost every application at our shop. Like, we're, we've got bulk oil now for a truck comes in that's a, you know, a, a farm truck, and we do an oil change. We'll use Hot Shot Secret. They have a full line, anything from the green diamond all the way blue diamond black diamond they've got they've got the whole line from your base oils to the full synthetics to the premium the race products so now we have been able to integrate their products into our day-to-day service shop operation as well is there a benefit um i like to focus back on the friction reducer because that's kind of what got this relationship going it seems to be that's the 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 halo product is there a benefit to a gas engine or a turbo engine, or is it mainly diesels and injectors and things like that? What, um, somebody listening, supercharged application, turbo application, is there a benefit to that? Absolutely, absolutely. We often get pigeonholed as, I wouldn't even say The it. diesel guys? I wouldn't even say that. For years we were pigeonholed as a, as a 6.0 company because of the stiction eliminator, oh. you know? And to speak to that product, that product's good in gas, diesel. I put it in lawnmowers and weed whackers, you know, so that product's not just a 6.0 product, but specifically to the FR3 friction reducer, it can be added to any oil out there. Um, it is a nanocarbon technology, so here's where we're gonna get a little technical. The, we have pat, three patents on it, that's what the three stands for in the FR3. So we're getting a lot of description names tonight. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, that, that, that product can be added to any single oil. It's a carbon nanotechnology that uh, the nano-sized particles are smaller than a human cell. So they're gonna get into the oil, they're gonna find any voids in the metal, whether it's a newly machined product or a, a product that has some wear in it, and fill any type of void to give us a flat film layer for the nanolubricant to go on top. Every testing we've ever done uh, has picked up at least a 42% or more reduction in wear on any base oil that you add it to. So, Even on, like, say, agricultural equipment or something that might have, let's say, dusty environment, dirty environment, an off-road or somebody in Baja, would this be beneficial to help that type of environment as well? 100%. A reducer. Yep. We, yeah. we, we, we saw a lot into the agricultural, all over the motorsports is obviously a big side where we see the, the benefits of the horsepower, like we always say, people like to see horsepower. To us, horsepower also equals efficiency, mile per gallon. It depends how you're using that right foot. Sure. And then on the agricultural side, uh, a lot of the other uses, since it can be used in anything, we put it in transmission. All of our engine oils, transmission fluids, gear oils, all have FR3 in them. It's already infused in. We do have a new hydraulic oil coming out. There's breaking news. Nobody knows that yet. Hey. So Ooh. There's a scoop. And uh, But for now, we put the, uh, the a lot of the agriculture used in hydraulic fluids, anything. So um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to improve upon the package of... We've always found people are very oil loyal, as I call yeah, them. Oil loyal. So I don't mess with it. You know, yeah. it's like I believe I got the best oil in the world, but I'm not going to try to convince you that. But I will say, give my FR3 a try, and then once they do that, now oh, all this already has FR3 in it, yep. and they yeah, that's, a, that's slow the, gate, the gateway drug, right? That's right. <laughs> exactly. yeah. So where can we find it? Where is it distributed? Is it direct? It is sold through Firepunk Diesel only. Everybody, put your orders <laughs> in because <laughs> I, I, I have a sponsorship bill I got to pay. So. We'll just <laughs> So, uh, no, we're sold uh, retail, uh, any of your truck stops out there, all your parts stores, uh, AutoZone, O'Reilly's, Napa, you name it, they all, they right all carry it. Right next to those last uh, okay. tools. Okay. Yep. Right. Yeah. And, and of course, we, we sell direct on our website, HutchinSeeker.com, and I'd love to get a shout out to our independent dealer network. We have a huge dealer network, like Firepunk Diesel, 
Uh, I really like to support the small businesses. And what's unique about that, we're, we're at a very unique stage in our life cycle of this company is that we're growing very fast. We just found out this year that we are now the fastest growing lubricant company in America. Wow. And Was that based on units sold or? MPD, what? dollars and units. Okay. Yep. So. We're really proud of that, and the help has come a lot with our dealers. It's tough to get a product into retail. It takes a year or two, whereas we And you've you got to buy in cap yeah, space yeah, and oh, all that. A, and yeah. you have to buy the guys off the shelf. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. We have a... Should I say it? Well, <laughs> what does what it say in our warehouse right now? We have pallets upon pallets upon pallets of a competitive brand because we have to buy them off the shelf when we replace them. Oh my! People God. don't know that. That's, that's, that's extortion. Retail's rough. Yeah, re retail's a that's a tough place to be. All right, so if people want to go find you on uh, on social, it's Hotshot Secret. Yep. And that's on uh, Facebook, Instagram. You have your uh, YouTube page as well. Yep. And then of course, Firepunk Diesel for Levon and crew. And uh, Levon, what's I need to know, wait, Levon? Wait, what's next? Because <laughs> wait, 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 wait! I just want to know if you'll come back. You, you tell me when. Yeah, there nice. we go. That's what yep. I like to Is hear. there food involved? Yeah, oh, there can <laughs> be. There can be. What do you want? Food's you want the pizza? way to his heart. Pizza, right? barbecue, burgers, you name it. All of the above. Okay, so what's next for you? Like, what are your goals for on the racing side? Like, what is it that you, you've, I feel like you've accomplished on, as an outsider, just looking at every, all the check marks in the boxes, you've checked every box. What's left? Did you say he's a racer? <laughs> I haven't seen this guy race in a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, hey now. I would yeah, fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, honestly, I mean that's we have hit a lot of our goals that we've had our sights set on, like that three second barrier that we hit earlier this year was a big target that we really, really wanted. Um, and so what is next? Well, I still looking at the data that we have, there's a lot left on the table for more. Um, so turning that 399 into a 380 and then to a 370, um, there's... Tell me, tell me about that truck for a second. So, yeah, the, it's an S10 platform. It's a 20-year-old chassis that we got, and we at Firepunk took it apart and reworked the chassis, added dual frame rail, and did a bunch of fab work to try to make it fit the diesel and handle the torque of it. And now we it's shoehorned with a, a Cummins platform dnj precision machine did the engine it's all billet aluminum now that saved us about 225 pounds Whoa. over the cast wow that's uh, a lot of weight so that's, that's really a whole lightning with yeah how with, dare you <laughs> in about two, five pounds of holding 215 <laughs> <laughs> with racing uh you either have to make more power or lose weight and you re get a certain point it's with, also uh, in living your life we all see you need to make more power or lose weight <laughs> you get to a point where you physically can't accelerate your the weight of the vehicle any faster until you shed some weight yeah. so that's where we're at for the next level is that chassis is a 20 year old chassis we're racing at 3070 pounds with the driver and if you go buy a new race car with carbon fiber body and all the, the bells and whistles today, we could probably save another 300 pounds. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I think but he's it me comes, for a come, comes with a <laughs> Kyle, I, I just need like $125,000. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. All right, well, <laughs> minor we're, we're, we're going to keep our eye on you. We, we definitely want to want you to come back. We've had people, literally, we've had listeners who have DM'd us and said, hey, can you get LaVon Miller on? I'm like, I, I know LaVon. <laughs> I'm trying to get him to say yes. Yep. So we'll, yep. we definitely want well, to have you so back. Well, it's so funny. Those the, the same people are they're asking us, like, hey, are you guys aware of LaVon Miller? Why don't you have him on your yeah. show? Like, they're upset, like, <laughs> as if we don't know who you are. We're like, no, we the know guy, we're working. Yeah. yeah, the guy's busy, okay? No. He's running a company. Yeah. I right. enjoy doing these things. It's just, you know, time. Yeah, time. You know? I, yeah. I, I, I totally get it. So, Kyle, thank you so much for, uh, for coming out and explaining all this. I actually am curious about FR3. 
Well, thanks for having me on. And again, we're just right down the road from you here. So right. booth 2221 and the world's fastest diesel, the Firepunk Diesel S10 is on display there. So you can come check out the engine and take a look. And we still, next time we have Levana, we need to talk about the world's fastest diesel. Because I think that's the last time I reached out was like, good world record. Come on the podcast, talk about it. <laughs> I think I still have that message. Yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks, guys. Michael, don't make fun of my uh, dietary uh, supplements here with my uh, Milky Way and Monster. Why? Because you have had it. That, I mean, you've literally subsided off of uh, candy bars and monsters today. So my uh, my son, who's uh, to your left there, Michael, um, Gavin, has, has come down from uh, Chico State where he's going to school. And I flew him down here to help us to kind of like produce the show, reach out to, you know, text him. Hey, you're up in half an hour, whatever. And he's off. He's like, do you, I'm going to go eat. Do you, do you want anything? I'm like, no, I, I've got food here. He's like, it's candy bars. I'm like, yeah. So he's been out eating proper breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I've been subsiding off Monster and uh, Three Musketeers. Yeah, you're, you're going to die. I am. Possibly I'm, today. I'm dying. I, yeah. thought he, I thought he was going to die as he was pushing that car in. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so we've got my, uh, one of my good friends, Michael Hamrick, here from Willwood. And one of our early guests on the Truck Show podcast, too. Yeah. So, Michael, there's so many things that we have to discuss. First thing is... Um, what do you think of the event so far? Because there was, as Holman is keen to say the last couple of days, we've been impressed. We, we, we heard the horror stories that people were trying to propagate that this was going to be desolate, no man's land, no one was going to show up. And here we are, and the halls are packed. I mean, you can hear by the background, everyone yeah. knows this Lots show. There is some open space. There's no question that there are some open and spaces. And that's okay, because I like this version of SEMA yeah. way better. You can move around and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. But, so what do you think? Give me your take. So I just saw Warren. And I said, Warren, what I'm taking away from the last three days is... Oh, Warren is the guy that runs the show. Kazakov. Yeah, Kazakov. So I said, Warren, it's awesome. Because here's where I'm at with it is we got rid of a bunch of stuff we didn't need. Yep. And a bunch of people who didn't belong here, too. And brought in a bunch of quality people. Yep. And also, in my opinion, with a lot of the companies that did decide not to show this year... There's a lot of smaller and mid-level companies getting a ton of exposure Absolutely. that they might not have all, they might not have been able to do. So Absolutely. I think that's amazing. It kind of goes back to like when I started at Willwood 20 years ago, where you'd go to PRI and you would show all of your large warehouse distributors the new product, and then you'd sit down and you say, "Okay, let's get ready for an order for next year. Let's do this. Let's yeah. do this many of this. Let's get this going," and then you would wait for them almost sitting next to the fax machine waiting for the order to come in because you knew you did your job. Yeah, right. And then you got that order and you were like, yes. yes. There was return on investment. At, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think with SEMA, you know... SEMA got away from that. Well, it did. turned into a car show. It, it turned into a car show instead of a trade show and I think a lot of people sold their badges and stuff so you had a lot of people who, who shouldn't have been here who clogged up the, the works. It was hard to do business and it feels like this is the biggest trade show in North America this year. So for anybody to say, oh, well, you know, but no, this is the biggest trade show in North America. And I, I love the traffic. I love seeing my friends. I love seeing all my buddies in the industry. Mm-hmm. And I love getting work done. And you can do that. It's, it's and, great. And we missed them all last year. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another thing that I look at is I see my friends from Max Tiedown's Colin come in the booth yeah. today. And I didn't even notice. I, could, I didn't recognize him. He looks like a beach bum. He's, yeah. you know, he's got his shirt kind of half off, and he's just hanging out. And I'm like, and he Colin. Had, well, he had that coconut that had the, the uh, umbrella in it, <laughs> yeah. too, which really, you know, had a straw hat. You know, I was like, man, this, 
I didn't I didn't get to see you since King of the Hammers, and normally yeah. I'd see him at like multiple events. Yeah, normally it's like KOH if you're in the off-road side, Easter Jeep Safari, and then you know maybe there's a couple shows off-road expo or something like that, or Overland Expo, and then it's SEMA. Yep. And those are sort of like the maybe three or four touch points where you expect, and you know we've been without that for for so long. Yeah. So that, that's all really good stuff, and the thing that I really like about how much engagement we're getting is it's like almost five o'clock already and look at this look at the hallways oh, it's crazy yeah. oh my gosh that means i get to eat soon uh-huh <laughs> not him he's, no. he's already no full. no no he's I actually, full. He's yeah, full. no i actually made reservations <laughs> over the area i'm gonna get some get me some good mexican food okay yeah wow. I've done that. Oh, you made yeah. reservations for mexican food uh-huh you realize that if you walk across the street there's like a little hole in the wall mexican joint over there that looks amazing right? i know we saw it last night yeah, going right to get the mexican bagel place, food. and i'm looking over there i'm like i gotta stop there that looks, and Hattie B's is here too. I oh, might, I might go call. for, I might go for a field trip to Hattie B's. And we haven't done yeah. Peppermill yet. We've got to do Peppermill. Oh, Peppermill's yeah, awesome. You got to do Peppermill. Uh, so I got stories for Peppermill. Let's. I, I know you do. I've heard a couple, <laughs> of them, and they're bad. Uh, so, Michael, first thing before we get to your take on Lockjaw and the whole experience that you were through and helped us through and all that, I do want to touch on new product for Willwood. Yeah. So I know you're launching some new pieces. Um, let's. What's new in the booth here that that the consumers can buy going into going into late 21, early 22? So you know what I like? I like it when we come up with a new product that the person or the sales staff or people at the company are like really like wanting us to make. It's like you're invested in it because you want that product and you know that everybody wants that product. So you're not just checking a box. It's something that you really believe in. Absolutely. So we've been talking about how we probably for five years at least, at least, how we can get into the truck market with a 17-inch wheel that's a true brake upgrade. That's a tough one. No, it's it's been I'd like super that, tough. I'd like that for the Jeep market because it's hard to find a 17-inch wheel with a really quality brake. And then for us, we're doing a full brake kit that you got to run 14-inch rotor. It's really hard to find a 17-inch wheel that has yeah. enough opening to run the 14-inch rotor. Because yeah. so the be, internal profile on a lot of wheels won't allow for the, for the caliper to fit yeah. unless you have a really low-profile caliper, which changes which caliper you use and it starts to be a really expensive like monoblock or something like that with like you know an axial bridge or whatever to strengthen it and you can't use a cast caliper because there's too much headroom and you're going to hit the wheel dude you need to come and work at willwood uh, how much are you uh, paying <laughs> probably more than publishing you want to keep doing this so, <laughs> so check it out it's been really hard to have a small enough rotor but enough caliper with yeah. enough clamping force with also that pinched yes. sizing to fit a lot of 17s, it's been hard. So, what do you what do you do? Is it is it about the the pistons or? Yeah, it's about clamping force. Okay. So we have, not to get too geeky, because I always like to get geeky. We about like stuff. Uh, no, our our listeners love geeky. You know, you can make up break by going to a larger diameter rotor. Then you have a little less clamping force, but you've got all that torque. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Sometimes that's not great because then you're putting so much out on the torque that you're wearing through pads because you're using because more you brake. The, the lever's way out here. Way out there, right? Trying to get it in to fit inside the 17-inch wheel, but then still have the technology to get enough clamping force in the caliper to make it an upgrade. Because even if you use a bigger piston and you have a deeper caliper that slides further inward on the rotor, you still have a strength issue 
because you you still have the unsupported open side of the caliper that yep. needs to stay rigid yep. in order to have good pedal feel and all that kind of stuff as well, Ab- right? Absolutely. So, so it's, it's, you're sort of balancing, you know, you've got real estate of this hole, and then you've got a rotor in the hole, and then you've got a caliper, and then you have to figure out which caliper you use and how deep on the rotor you can go and how far away from the rotor you can go without yep. hitting the wheel. Yep. Oh, and you still need to have a brake line in there and all the other things. And see, a lot of people don't realize a floating caliper, the pistons are like on the back side of the rotor. So you can bring the caliper down, whereas, and it's there's nothing on the outboard, right? So it's pushing and pulling, and then you don't have to have as much radial height to make all that work with lots of clamping force. So with a fixed mount, you have to have equal amount of force on both sides. We only we only add up the square area of one half. I, I, we could get geeky about that, but we don't need to. So we started doing some different things in our OE side and realized, hey, with this particular kind of profile, we can do it. It's strong enough. So we said, okay, okay right. How are we going to do it so that it can be affordable? So. I said, listen. Can't use some well, unobtainium materials. Well, you also no, have to off, remember, right. brakes, depending on the wheel, are on the dirty part of the car. Yeah. And you don't always see them. So people may do all the high horsepower and the shiny bits and the suspension, the bigger tires with more rolling resistance, and then they don't do anything with the brake because they're like, I can't see it. I don't see the benefit. And so you, you know, brakes are every bit as important as everything else you're doing to the vehicle. Absolutely. So I said, listen, in these other markets, we're making calipers that are direct mount. DM, that's what we call it. Why don't we make a, f- a new forging outboard and inboard that's pinched so it'll fit a lot of smaller diameter rotors, I mean wheels. And then now we know that we can go up to like six and a half uh, square inches for clamping force, which is what we need. You're talking about six and a half square inches for the, the piston? Yeah. The, okay. So you add up the full three, three pistons. Three pistons. Okay. And it comes up to 6.52. And that's where we need to be for like a 1500 pickup truck. To have an extra braking reserve for towing and things yes, like that, right? Right. And and make it so it also works with like the ABS systems. So you. Because they can be overly sensitive and you don't want them locking up because you don't have the right clamping force, pedal ratio, all that good stuff. It could be a mess. Yeah. Like a, And if you don't have enough and then you do it with more brake pad, well, meaning more brake pad, more coefficient of friction, more aggressive, then you're wearing parts out. Yeah. So it's, it's like you have to have the right clamping force for the system to be balanced and work with all of the modern so technology. What I'm hearing is brakes are complicated. It's not really as easy sometimes <laughs> as people think it is, right? So people for years have been like, you gotta make kits for Raptors. You need to make brake kits for you know, pre-runners because everybody's building spindles yeah. for pre-runners yeah, right. and it uses the factory 99 and up Chevy brakes, right? Well, those brakes actually aren't too bad. And I know that because my stepson has got one of those trucks with, you know, huge uprights from Kibbe Tech, and he's got his factory brakes on it. Yeah. And, he, and he romps it. Totally romps it. Right. I mean, it's a badass on 37 projects, right? So he's like, I just want to have something that is, like, more consistent and feels better. Well, going to a fixed mount, you're going to have a better brake feel. So we started looking at it, and I said, hey... What if on the inboard body of the caliper, we make kind of like, it kind of looks like this. It's like that You're charger. Apple, your Apple Mac charger, right? Yeah. Right. This so. big block where we can machine it down to the lug mount so it directly bolts on to the spindle upright. 
What happens with that is you're getting rid of the bracket. So then the bracket's way stronger. Wait, you lost me. Okay, so you take the caliper and you machine it so that there's no bracket in between the caliper and the spindle. Okay. The caliper bolts directly, directly mounted to the spindle upright. Oh, so most of your stuff have brackets, brackets right? Oh, so now get it's the rigidity out of it. So right? it's super strong yeah. because there's no bracket in between, right? Okay. And we can bring it down radially to fit a smaller wheel. Mm. And let me tell you, like that was a game changer. Holy cow! So we went to Off Road Expo, and we're setting up the booth on Thursday. And there are people in the Raptor market that are just going, what? <laughs> <laughs> We've been waiting for this. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, what do you think? They're like, we, we, we take my money. We, we got a group. We, we, we. And I'm like, pump, slow, pump slow. your brakes. Oh, they're trying <laughs> to slow down. But they, to get... but they can't pump their brakes because yeah. they have brake fade. <laughs> they and they can't like, slow down. Wait, Michael, were they trying to get you for a group buy or something like that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Like, no. dude, we want to buy 24, like right now. I'm like, no, well, then, slow well, down. Well, I have four. <laughs> you're paying full retail, yeah. MFers. Yeah. So, well, so, I don't know that he called his future customers <laughs> MFers, but okay, I call him. Well, <laughs> I did to this guy in the middle of building that lockjaw. Well, that's that, uh, <laughs> 100%. You should also call him an MFer because my truck's not done, and we've never even had a chance to play with the brakes that are on mine. This new brake system, we debuted Does it here. have a name, Michael? It's the Aero DM. Okay. So it's the Aero DM 17-inch wheel kit. So we've got the Chevy done 99 to present. And I'm stoked about it because I've got a 21 Trail Boss 6210 speed. Oh, so that, yeah, there you oh, go. Oh, dude. A nice truck. Dude, but the brakes are pretty good in it. Yeah, no, no, Chevy did a good job on brakes. Dude. The only thing I don't like about that truck from the factory is the shock tuning can be better. Oh, way better. What, what year is yours? 21. Okay, you have the better valve codes. The earlier ones, the 19s and 20s, they had the same valve code for almost everything, regardless of engine and cab configuration. There's only like two valve codes on the Trail oh. Boss. And so in testing, we figured out some stuff and we're like, oh, this isn't good. So they went back and I believe either 21 or 22, I can't remember, has the new valve codes. But that truck just needs a really good set of shocks and then go bomb, have fun. Oh my, dude, you know? I'm so, I call it my four by four Corvette. Yeah, and yours is, you said six two. Yeah. The 10 speed, that's With a, a nice speed. setup. Dude, it you, is. You, know, you don't even need more power. I mean, I know that's no. stupid to say on a show about you know aftermarket and stuff, but but really, it, it's it's shockingly good how, and how good that truck it is. It tows our toy hauler with our UTV in it. Like, I, I do you have just, any of the towing camera options and stuff? Yeah, that's pretty. We're awesome. gonna add all yeah. that, so it's like it's just it's yeah. bitching. Yeah. So nine and nine and up, and then how many people are doing uprights for you know? I mean, Kibby makes all kinds of uprights, and then he uses the factory brakes on them. Yeah, those well, guys, those guys want shot. it, right? I mean, there's even conversions. Although I think you're, you've been wearing them down. I mean, I, <laughs> I think you've you've been over there. And well, with the build, what we'll he's doing, he needs the brakes to slow down because they're doing you know, big time. Oh, they're yeah. doing big but, horsepower. But the thing is, 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 you know, there's a lot of shops doing that, and sometimes the upgrade to a lot of these brakes is the factory Chevy brakes on a ton of. It's like yeah. grab all these parts and you can cobble together this yeah. upgraded system. And it's like, wouldn't you just rather have a fully engineered upgrade system that isn't a cobbling together of like, you know, um, 96, uh, you know, K35 parts or 3,500 parts or something like that? And I think that the price point, so it's going to be 99 and up Chevy to present, 1,500. Okay. Um, and then 04 to present F-150 and all Raptor. That's cool. Wow. That's cool. It's quite and a swath. And he, all my friends that have Raptors in this industry are like... You know, 
the first gen, the brakes aren't too bad. The second gen, oh my dear lord, just yeah. terrible. And yeah. I'm like, really? And he goes, oh man, we got to get a kit on my well, truck. Well, there's so much more try. power too. People are driving a lot faster with those. Yeah, that truck is quicker. Yeah, huh? way quicker. Yeah, I mean, you went from the 6.2 V8 to the 3.5 EcoBoost, and so people are, and the chassis is different. So they're pushing it. Yeah. I am. I am sad to see that your Aero Six Big Brake Kit for the Wrangler requires an 18-inch rotor. I need I need somebody to make a big break. 18 inch 17, wheel. Or I'm sorry, 18 inch wheel with a 14 inch rotor. Well, it's funny that kit we brought in Rancho's JL to do the test fit, yeah. and the wheels that they have on that JL 17 it fit that kit. You have to remember that mm. we'll say that it might yeah. fit some 17s, but 18 and larger. I've got 37s, and Jeep upgraded the brakes on the Rubicon. They're actually really good from the factory, up to about 35. You get a, thir a small 37, you're good, but you get into a mud terrain 37 with a lot of rotational forces, and you really start wanting a, a bigger brake upgrade. Well, that's exactly what this new product is. So with that inboard body, with that big monoblock yeah. lugs, we're going to be able to machine it into a lot of applications. <laughs> 17-inch wheel. Well, no, the JK, JL, JT are all the next ones that we're doing. Yes. All right, you let me know when you need uh, a vehicle for that. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, well, he's got a supercharger, so he's got some horsepower. Yeah. 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 No, and 37s. I mean, you are that customer. I right? know. That's why I'm like, Mike, I love you. I <laughs> I love you. I, I just saw I hearts you. come out yeah, of his head. Was. Did you see that? I saw the emoji hearts come yeah, out of his head. In, the, in that huggy one? Well, he just gave me the friendship test and I passed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's where, oh, Michael had to tell me. He says, I love you when you say I love you Easy. Back. Easy. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> so, okay, so that's huge for are, us. When are those available for 17-inch wheels? For, for those two platforms, we're looking at February. Oh, that's oh, pretty quick. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And then... We've already got all the data. We just need to start cutting chips on the next grouping of them. Yeah. The, the great thing, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I did. we did this in part of the Banks Built series that we shot for Lockjaw, which we'll get into in a second. We went and toured the Willwood facility. I'd been up there briefly, but I hadn't ever gone back behind the scenes. Everything is made in-house. Everything. I mean, the to the e-code, you know, on the outside. You guys aren't farming anything out. It is a really incredible operation. Is that when Mike called you an a-hole? It might have been. It might have been. <laughs> no, it's, it I'm, I'm not joking. Like, it's, it's, it's the turn time. It's the fact that the engineers are 200 feet away from the shop floor, that they can turn on a dime. Uh, I don't know. I was very impressed. I, I was very impressed. So Thank you. Everyone is sharp as attack over there, and they're super passionate. I mean, from, from Bill Wood, you know, uh, racing his own cars to, I mean, we were there, and his Miatas were there uh, in getting worked on. Like, it's, they're absolute enthusiasts all from 100% the whole company toe. is yeah. yeah and they've always been great supporters of us on you know, magazine stuff and, and doing stories and uh, just it's an awesome product I love I love Willwood in fact on my F100 that still doesn't run lightning uh, we have yeah. a great setup on that that has their manual uh, master cylinder with their big brake kit on that and it's awesome because when we went to the turbo EcoBoost we knew that we were going to have a lot of vacuum and so yeah. I said I, I wanted to take the complexity of that out of the system and have a really good manual um, master cylinder and non-powered and it's awesome I've driven a lot of trucks and I love the way that your non-powered master cylinder feels in terms of brake pedal it's it's there's nothing in between you don't get that weird kind of you know you, ha you then, have good modulation yeah. and as long as we pick the right bore size master cylinders to run the calipers at our front and rear remember you've we talked about this on lockjaw yes and everybody is like you know, engineers are like, well, I think you should be running this. And and then I'm like, 
You don't need to. Nobody's done. It's lightning. We don't care if he well, runs yeah. off the road. It's I'm fine. I'm like, nobody's put a 10 to 1 pedal with any master cylinders onto these huge calipers, the TX6Rs that we used on that truck. Right. So I'm like, we're going to start at one inch. We can always change it. Yeah. We're going to start. Well, I sat in the truck yesterday and I pumped the brakes. Yeah. There's some air in them. But once you get three pumps in and it's firm, oh, dude, it's going to be so... Uh, I was like, this is almost perfect. Well, let's talk about that now. It's a great segue into it. Let's talk about what you did to the truck, what you provided for it, from the master cylinders to the <coughs> pedal to the whole nine, and what what you supplied, and then I want to get your take on the whole project. Were we insane? Did we pull it off? What do you think? So I want to go back to something that I've explained to a handful of people the last three days is... I say, listen, they're building the C20, and Lightning says, hey, I just want to I just want to use this little dinky pro spindle that Willwood makes, and I want to put some brakes on it. And I'm like, e it doesn't work like that, dude. He's like, well, why? And I go, because our pro spindle is basically a Mustang II Pinto spindle. Well, but, but, you have an 8-lug truck, dude. No, hold on. I, said, I didn't argue I said, with you. I said, I'm, I'm listening. No, you argued a little oh, bit. You I can't, look at, you. You. I can't I, even look I at you right you. now. You argued. I, I can't even look not, at him no, right no, now. I'll get him. You don't, don't look at him. Don't so I was him. like, Here's no. What when, when you look at him, he follows you home. But then he also... Oh, I'm said, not a puppy. I said, it's got to be 8-lug. And he's like, okay, well, we'll make 8-lug hubs. I'm all, no. 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 You're changing the story. I was always on board 8-lug. Always make it. I see what he's doing here. Don't look at him. You know we're an 8-lug company. follow you home. We were an 8-lug company. I said, dude, listen, it can't be 5-lug. It can't be 6-lug. Because we did talk about... Six lug. Did he have that conversation with you where he was wondering about strength? He asked if it could be a nine lug. <laughs> nine lug, moron. <laughs> Listen, I want. I've all, I always want to do eight lug, but I was dissuaded early on because. But Roadster, you could only afford seven. Let's on, be honest. It, that's true. <laughs> I, I, Roadster shop pushed back in the beginning. Do you hear that? Yeah, no. I do. I back that No, listen. Roadster shop pushed back in now the beginning. Here's the excuses. God damn. Do you want the real story? No. You want to make it up. You want to make it up. No, not on my own head, on my look, own podcast. That's look, at I'm the end of the day, I'm your guest, and I have the biggest fish story. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Agreed? Okay. So, so you, but the bottom line is, Mike, you made it happen. No, you, so you I said, listen, dude, we need this to be legit eight lug. Like, your, your people that are going to watch this need to know, like, Oh, dude, that it's like it, it could be six lug, but it's got to be eight lug because that's what your business is about. Right. So I said, do you know any fabricators that can take like our C10 spindle? Because it's kind of a C10. Right. Mm -hmm. And then incorporate like a 2017 eight lug hub from a Chevy HD. And I already had somebody in my in my mind. But then he goes, dude, I go way back with Ryan Kibbe. I'm like, done. I'm like, dude, he can totally do it, make it out of steel so it's super strong, then make that hub bolt-on, then make it so that it takes our bracket, and it literally, it, the front and rear of that truck has got 2017 HD 20-inch wheel yeah. brake kits. Yep, awesome. And they bolt right on. Yes. I mean, in the front, he, Ryan had to make a, there was no way for him to get away from making a radio mount bracket himself. Yeah. And what's cool is I think that we gave the homage to that by doing the the uh, gold anodize on it. Yeah, so it's got some gold pieces in there to pay pay homage to. But I'm like, no, if we're going to be a part of this, we have to be like true to 8-lug. That's what you guys are selling. It's diesel stuff. 100%. And then on top of it, how heavy is that engine and transmission? Uh, it, it's big. I mean, that transmission. You know how he wanted to do Mustang 2 spindles? 
he told me, he's like, yeah, it's going to be great. We'll we just put it on the frame. I'm like, no way. And then he went, oh, okay. I, that's a no. And then he went to roaster shop. So he like jumped the shark immediately, right? It went it went from, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were totally oh, put see, it. now he's like, he's oh, yeah, you're right. Look, do you see a smile? Yeah. I don't know. See, I don't know what he was all about. about. He was all about the, the Mustang 2 type spin. Yeah, all, you no. can't do that, I, dude. Because they told me that's what I had to run. They said that's what we have well, the CAD set up wrong. for. So then it was even better because then when he said it was going to be a strange rear, I'm like, huh. We do a lot of stuff with strange. <laughs> so Jeff's not. And he gonna, does a lot of strange stuff himself. Uh, so I said with, with the rear. Is that what you're saying? I said <laughs> I didn't say that. Those were your words, not mine. Uh huh. I said you just call up Jeff Stangy and you tell him that we're gonna have to do eight lug in the back. And he's like, he's not gonna like that, is he? I'm all. It's got to be eight lug. It is what so it is. We did it. Yeah. And dude, it's it's. It was it, the right way. It may have taken a little bit of extra headache and heartache to do, but it was the right decision. Absolutely. And look at the truck. You know how many people would walk around that truck and go, "Why do you have eight in the front and six in the rear?" Right? I mean, it, it yeah. just, it, it could have happened. Now, it's funny. We had a, you're talking about Fitment earlier and Fitment issues. So we had a, a set of our rollers were a brand new set of uh, Black Rhino 20-inch wheels just to get it around the shop, et cetera. And we put on the, the brakes and then put the uh, the Black Rhinos on. And the, the inside, the barrel of the wheel was one business card from the outside of the, of the, uh, the caliper. A business card, not a credit card. Literally, I couldn't put my ATM card then in. There. Don't get them hot. So no, right? <laughs> it was interesting because you and you say a minimum of a twenty-inch wheel. Well, I'll tell you that this twenty-inch wheel would not have worked. We, we have twenty-twos on the truck. I have ample clear. I got clearance for days, but the twenty. Ooh. But see, it's also different wheels. Fit I understand, and that's yeah. why I thought it was interesting because. There are 20s that probably would clear by a quarter so inch. It's like which the 17, 18 thing on the Jeeps. There's, exactly. a, there's inside profiles that are part of the casting. Yeah. That, you know. So, like, our, our 12 has got, our 12 HD has got 20s on it and they're fuels. And it's like you can just fit your hand in between them. Yeah. So, right. it just depends on the wheel. Yeah, yeah. Under, understood. Okay. So, well, so you think it, it turned out okay? Dude, I think it's, I think it's totally rocking. Not bad for a truck I bought for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> But sit yesterday, I sat in it while I was doing some interview stuff, like talking about like our part of it and everything. And I, I said, can I just sit in the truck and like do part of it in the truck, like explaining and, and you can show my foot hitting the brake sure. pedal. And they were like, oh my God, that's awesome. Let's do that. So Steven, Steven Elliot. Yep. Steven. Steven's like, no, let's do it. So I'm in there and I'm talking. I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know. Here's why we did this long pedal, because it fits in here, and the ergonomics, I mean, look at where my foot is. It's like, it's actually really good. I mean, all of that is dope. Yeah. Yeah. My, my F100, I'm going to need to do a different pedal, just because it's so high off the ground and forward. We need to do that longer pedal, then. Exactly. And when I sit in it, it's like, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, my Achilles tendon is stretched about as far as and, I can go. And see, here's an example of us... Us listening to customers and also going to events and working with people, you know, we've always had a seven to one pedal. Now you can put that seven to one anywhere you want, but if you probably had to put it up a little bit higher just because of where the master cylinders were. But now we've got a 10 to one, it's because we're going to places like King of the Hammers and listening to customers and going, he's running 40s with Dana axles with factory brakes that have three inch pistons, he needs all this volume, kind of like what we did on Lockjaw. Right. We got to have more leverage so that he's not wearing himself out after yeah. only 125 miles, but probably the hardest, that, the, the worst part of the race. And yeah. you're doing laps. You're, you're, it's, it's a, you know, a lot of times people question whether drivers are athletes. They're 100% oh athletes. 
You, you see those guys at King of the Hammers finish in any class, especially yeah. the lower classes. Holy, I mean, dude. There's some champs. crazy people out there. They're, and the other thing champs. is, a lot of times they're getting out of the vehicles and running with winch cables and stuff yeah. up, up hills and yeah. boulders and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, no, that, that, that's, I, I think that's one of the things that I've always appreciated and loved about Willwood is that you guys are enthusiasts. You do go out there. You do participate in it. And you do listen to the feedback and you make a great product. So I'm, I'm excited to see your excitement over this new product. And then I'm kind of excited about it too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's going to be really good across the board and it's going to open. It's funny. Two new forgings is going to open up like this whole plethora in of applications. In the off-road industry? Yeah. Massive. Oh, because huge. there's a lot of people who don't want to go to an 18 inch wheel. And you want to hear the best part? Retails fifteen hundred bucks. What? Wow, that's really All really. Right, someone good. screwed up. No, there's no bracket. So when oh. you're not manufacturing a bracket and you don't have to. Wait, wait, wait. So you solve a problem that people have, and then it makes it so you get better braking performance because it's stiffer. There's less parts to worry about. You get an easier install, and the price is affordable. Super affordable. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Okay. You guys can be printing money pretty soon. I'm pretty it, sure of it. Yeah. I mean, it's those type of things where, as a company, we we take a little bit longer than some, but I think it it ends up paying for itself and making it so like yeah. a lot of um, a lot of our customers, it's gonna take them maybe an hour to install this brake kit and bleed the brakes. I mean, that's I mean, it's dumb. Cool. You're you're innovating on products that have been around for a hundred years, and you're yeah. still figuring out ways to to make them better. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So super stoked about it. Well, Michael, uh, thank you for all of your participation. Thank you for your guidance. Seriously. I don't want to sound sappy, but I owe you many, many beers, as I've said before. Wow. But you have made, you made this. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. You made this boy's dream a reality. We've been doing this for how many years? How many beers have you gotten me? I'm in a couple. A couple in and outs. All right. I guess that's... Can measure it with what you, kind you, of, you, what you, kind of you come get Mexican food, I'll buy you my margarita tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to say thanks, and, and I actually said thanks on the video yesterday, but you know, it's about these relationships that we all get, yeah, and going, Hey, we're gonna do this, these are the people we want to work with, and and us just going, Yeah, let's do let's this, do that. Yeah. you know, this is great for everybody. It's not always easy, but it's worth it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, thank you. And uh, and thank you for making time to come hang out with us. I know that SEMA is an incredibly busy time for everybody. You guys, including mean, you're manning booths and showing off product and talking to people and buyers and doing all that. And and we're you know this is literally uh, a waste of your time. No. <laughs> no. Well, oh, you're I, not. Oh, I am. <laughs> Which is why we can be friends. Right. Okay, Mike, I love you. Goodbye. All right, guys. Get out of our booth. Thanks, man. Right. See you guys later. Bye. Holman, it's not that I don't love you, but I want to leave and go eat Mexican food at the Aria. That sounds delicious. I'm going to eat off of uh, a taco truck on the way back to the hotel as I walk through the desolate streets of uh, Las Vegas back uh, country Wait, and alleys. No? Huh? Are you serious? What? You don't have dinner plans? Um, no. I mean, Can't I know where invites you, uh, me to dinner. So. Will you join the, uh, the Banks crew and my son? Um, I'll think about it. What do you mean you think about it? I just offered to pay. I'll pay. I'm in. Let's go. It's the first time in uh, months, so yeah, maybe, maybe I months. Should. I think the last one I paid was uh, like a one a.m. dinner at In and uh, Out. In and Out. Yeah, exactly. All right, so you're on board. All right, but before we go to dinner, we have to thank Nissan, our presenting sponsor. Thank you so much for supporting the Truck Show podcast. Check out that brand new 2022 Nissan Frontier. 
Also the Nissan Titan, Nissan Titan XD, industry's best warranty, five year, 100,000 miles. All that available at NissanUSA.com where you can build the Nissan truck of your dreams. Or of course, you can head on down to your local Nissan dealer, walk right through the door and tell them Lightning and Holman sent you. And when your truck is broken and you need parts, that's when you go to DuralastParts.com. They have OE quality parts for just about every single truck on the road. DuralastParts.com. And one last time, thank you to Mr. Gail Banks and BanksPower.com for supporting the Truck Show podcast and making the uh, SEMA bonus episodes possible because Gail lost his mind and donated his entire <laughs> SEMA booth to us two, which we have put to good use this week. I think so. I think uh, we, we listen. This is a lot, a lot of firepower. I'm going to tell you right now, we had as much or more foot traffic in this booth interviewing people than Gail would have had with a real Banks booth. Uh, thousands what, of people. Don't, you're insulting me. Thousands of people guy came through this. No, I'm saying the success of the podcast. We had so many interviews. Is my point. I, I see how you're trying to compliment us as a podcast, yes. but you're also insulting me as the marketing guy at Banks. Thank you, Gail. Bankspower.com. <laughs> Go get fast trucks. Wait, what was his quote? Let's end with Gail's new quote. His his no quote was oh his new quote is uh, uh, laying frame is new to me. Right there, day over. We out. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors. 